Hey guys, welcome to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. Just want to thank our sponsor, Vertex. Guys, Vertex has offered you 20% off if you just use the coupon code FIELDCRAFT. That's F-I-E-L-D-C-R-A-F-T. 20% off at vertex.com. That's V-E-R-T-X.com. A few things about Vertex. I've been using their stuff for quite some time. I have some of their field pants and I have one of their pistol magazine organizers. So you go to the range, instead of bringing just a couple mags and jamming them every time that they run out, might as well just bring a whole bunch of loaded mags. And the easiest way to keep them organized is with one of those organizing pistol mag pouches. Guys, I'm just screwing around on their website right now, taking a look at all the other stuff. I know a bunch of our guys, they use their backpacks, their sling bags. They have a whole line of range bags as well. Actually, I might need to get one of those range bags. They look pretty darn good. And in addition to that, I mean, there's all sorts of other interesting stuff that Vertex has come up with. Probably one of the coolest things is their Tactigami, which it's kind of like a play on tactical and origami. And what that allows you to do is kind of fold some of this Velcro and hook and loop stuff and make pouches to fit everything from small pistol mags all the way up to, you know, AR-15 and AR-10 size mags and even radios. So you can check that out, Tactigami. And Actually, you know, I'm, I completely forgot about the socks. So when I saw these guys out at uh, Overland Expo last year, they were handing out socks to everyone. And of course, you know, I'm hoping that they don't run out of socks. And sure enough, they gave me a pair and they're pretty damn good socks. They're good for, for working out at the gym. So uh, guys, like I said, go over to vertex.com. Use the coupon code FIELDCRAFT. You're going to get 20% off of your order. So again, www.vertex.com. Get 20% off your order with Fieldcraft. And I'm going to continue screwing around on this website and see what else I can add to my inventory. All right, let's get to this podcast. Hey guys, we're just going to interrupt this podcast and recognize Sig Sauer. Guys, Sig Sauer is one of the sponsors of this podcast and they're awesome people. Sig, wow, where, where can I even begin with them? Should we talk about ammo first? So bullets first, ammo first. It's amazing stuff. It's got some of the greatest consistency from round to round. It burns super clean. I've never had an issue, knock on wood, never had an issue with any of the primers, right? No light strikes or anything like that. That's more of the firearm anyway, but I mean, their ammo goes bang every time that you want it to go bang and you don't get surprised with the loudest sound in the world when your gun should go bang and it goes click. Moving on to the firearms, firearms are awesome. I'm currently working on building out a SIG 220 as a dedicated suppressor host for my SRD 45 suppressor. And I mean, their classic line can be rebuilt over and over and over and over and over again. So that's the 220, the 226, the 228. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Go to their rifles, right? MCX platform, MPX platform, the SIG cross. I mean, SIG just knows how to do it right. Go to their optics, right? The one to six that is the current military optic great, great optics. And then, I mean, you could just keep going and going, talking about all the different things that SIG makes. Guys, the SIG Academy, right? Not just products, but training. Go up to the SIG Academy, train with some of the best in the world. When you drive into the SIG Academy, you know, right down the street from the raceway, you see the big rock on the left-hand side, and you're going to see the big SIG Experience Center, and you're going to see a sign that says where the professionals train. Every time that I've been there, not only do the professionals train there, but it's, you're getting training from legit professionals that are the best in the business. So please check out Sig Sauer, Sig Sauer Academy, and go get some good training and some awesome products. All right, guys, let's get back to this podcast. 
I did TV stuff for like four years. Did you? I was on Shooting USA for four years. That's where I recognize you from. Yep. You know where else you recognize me from? Where? Hey, folks, Tony from BudsGunShop.com. Shut up. Yeah, that was me. Really? Yeah. You, you had Blackbeard. Uh, well, it used to be, it's this what happened to Evolving Company. <laughs> Dude, I, I do that in interviews with executives. Uh-huh. I lean like this and I go, hey, man, let me tell you something. Shit's hard. Yeah. I was like, I'm 27 years old. <laughs> I just turned 25, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, and they're like, they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, man. Dude, I have just to. Make sure, like, it's like, yeah, so we're just here to fuck around with some guns and shit. Where's your gat at? You got to have your gat out here. It's right here. Can you have that in this thing or will they, will like the investors oh. block you? No, fuck no. Yeah, no. I don't. I don't have any stipulations with guns. I don't. I don't. I would hate to do that because I would be. Fucked. Oh, there we go, dude. Let's here. We gotta have shooting that. USA. Yeah, I was on. Look at you. Look at you. Looking all handsome. You shaved. Oh yeah. So when I interviewed here, I didn't have a beard, and then I. As I grew it back out. So here's, I like here's I like an interesting beer. thing, dude. How, how old are you, Mike? Uh, 43. Ah, uh, 43. Ah, uh, 43. It was like it was just yesterday. <laughs> the uh, Where were you at when you were 43? Fucking struggle bus, man. Were you? Working like convict. Were you? You retired. Uh, you, did you do 20 years? Yeah, I did 20 years. Fuck, yeah. man. So what's interesting, what's funny, man, is... Uh, um, so if just so you you're prepared for this. So I, as I got older and, you know, I started getting more focused on fitness and other things and slimmed down a little bit, you know, got to the point where you realize you don't have a cape. You're not human. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're not superhuman. And so I, you know, I had nice clean shaven. And so I shaved my beard off. My wife was like, oh my God, your beard makes you look old. It's like, okay, so I shaved my beard off. Well, what happens is when you've had a beard for a considerable amount of time and you shave it off, your face becomes very scrotal. Mm, Scrotal. Scrotal. Yeah, I, I could. I already know what that word means because. Yeah, so it's there's a it's yeah it's very uh, and then I lost like twenty five pounds. I started working out a lot more. Yeah, a lot more long cardio and stuff like that. And so I was like, like, like a gizzard. Like fog, I was foghorn leghorn. Like yeah. I was like, oh no, I'm growing that shit back. Yeah. And so and and here it is. It looks good on you. It's the beard of knowledge. You wear it well. You wear it well. You got gray in there, but it's I could see the under. You know, it's tones. like uh, it's just for men. You know, it's like. <laughs> It's like, just need to like touch a gray. You yeah. Touch a gray where it's like <laughs> enough gray to show that you know how to complete the job. That's it. Do you got just for men? Are you doing any of just for men? I'm not doing Dude, nothing. you should do jet black hair. Dude, I thought about hair. doing oh, white. Are we good? Okay. I thought about doing pure white. Love like me. white all the way across. Like doing it like, what was the, what's the Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy? Oh, that's all white? It's all white. Yeah. I thought yeah, about doing that. And yeah. I've got it on my phone somewhere. Gordon. Gordon's. Yeah, yeah. There's this guy yeah. who's like, his beard is like totally perfect. And his hair's all slick like pure white. My, yeah. my wife was like, I know. It looks she's good. Not a, she's not a big fan of the beard anyway. She don't like the gray? So, well, no, it's, it's. I mean, it is what it is, bro. I'm not, I I, I embrace that shit, man. It's, you know, I, I may have told you this joke, but I was in the gym probably two years ago. And uh, I... Uh, you know, young guys come up to you and you're like, oh man, you know, because once once you have a gray beard, you know, the young guys you're an elder. Get, they they give you the nod. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. wow, I got the dude's in really good shape. Dude, I'm gonna you're look right? like him when I'm old. Wow, that guy's an old he's in pretty good shape, man. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. uh guy uh kid comes up to me and he goes, uh he goes, Man, you're you're in you're you're in, you're in pretty good shape for your age. I'm like, nah, motherfucker, I'm in pretty good shape for your age. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm in fucking amazing shape for my age. <laughs> 
fuck out of here. I love it's that, like, man. Kid, you know, it's, I do well. It's funny as I got, uh, I got to the point where I, I progressed beyond. Because when I was younger, man, I was like, it was all about ego. Like, you know, I want to be able to throw this weight. I want to do that. And then I, it, I think I, it metastasized or I evolved into we go. Yeah. You know, like I, I want to go out in the, in the yard and, and, and throw Frisbee with the neighbor kids. Or I want to go, I want, if somebody says, Hey man, Hey, they want to break out the road bikes. Let's go ride 40 miles. I want to go do that. You know, yeah. and I, uh, so I got functional fitness for me is different. Meaning like I fitness so I can function. Yes, like, yeah, and same. I think that's the important, uh, the important thing for me from that fitness standpoint is I like to be able to do stuff. Like I'm, I, I still like, you know, I like to be strong because I think it creates a balance from a skeletal perspective. Um, but I'm, I'm not to me to go in there and be like, what's up, bro? I'm 375 on the incline. Yeah, not I'm doing a jack shit for because Then I, another thing too, is I like to shoot a lot. I, yeah. anything from a competitive standpoint, shooting or training or uh, being able to do stuff or, you know, going like going on the range this afternoon, having fun and running stuff around and, and not being like, <sighs> Same. I want to, yeah. I want to do that stuff. You know, yeah. I want to, I want to continue. So literally functional fitness for me is fitness to function. Yeah. Like, and, and I, I'll tell you, dude, I, uh, you know, you, you jump on airplanes for a long time or you do other dumb stuff and you end up getting hurt and you don't realize you're hurt until all of a sudden all the, the muscle support around it goes to shit. Yeah. And then you're like, when did that happen? Mm. You know, why does my neck hurt like and that? And it catches and then, up with you. Yeah. And it catches up with you. You know, yeah. it's, you're playing the long game. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And well, as long as I can play the game. Well, I, it's interesting because when um, when you start a military career like we did early on in age, you think when you're done and you retire, your life is over. Like you you're, you just spend the rest of your life in a lawn chair and, you, and you're a lifer. So it's almost like that's a life sentence. And then you get done, you realize your life's just beginning. Like in your your own journey. How many how many years did you do total? So uh well, it's, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting story, and we'll go and well, I'd actually go all the way back because I'm like the. What's really fun about about how I started is where I came from. Yeah. Um, and it's it's this literally other than you know close friends of mine, you you are privy, me and you and our, two hundred fifty billion closest <laughs> friends. Um. So, uh, I was. I mean, statistically, I should have been a, a total scumbag you know yeah. like uh, i grew up relatively relatively destitute in chicago you know my uh my parents were both when i grew up probably first to third grade i was in, in like 13 different schools wow um my mom at the time both my mom and dad were alcoholics into drugs um i there was a time in my life growing up where uh, my mom i literally lived in a hotel or motel uh ran motel in chicago a suburb of chicago my mom used to clean the rooms and oh, so we wow. lived in a motel. Yeah. And so uh, long, long, you know, knowing what it's like to be hard, having Christmases where you didn't have any Christmas presents, you know, watching, I used to watch my mom get the crap beat out of her by a guy she was dating at the time. Wow. It's the first time I I ever knew or I, I felt at an age that was way too young um, a desire to do bodily harm to somebody when I didn't have the physical means to do it. Yeah. Um, was that a survival instinct you think is just something that you grew it's, in? Well, it's, it's, I, I wouldn't take anything away from it. Hmm. Um, the way I grew up, the way, um, the things that the foundations that were formed at that level, uh, I think made me resilient. 
I think it made me independent. Hmm. My mom was an incredibly strong woman. Uh, she didn't graduate high school till she was like 35 years old. She dropped out of high school to have to raise, uh, to raise, not have to raise, she, to raise her, my uncle, um, after her mom died, basically in, a, in an area of, you know, less than affluent, you know, basically in a basement of a, an apartment building in Chicago. Um, worked her entire life. My, my mom, you know, I tell people about my mom in a nutshell. So my mom was 5'4", 325, sleep apnea, diabetes, high blood pressure, slept on a breathing machine at night. She drove a school bus in the city of Chicago, uh, in the suburbs of Chicago. She was a head of Mothers Against Gangs for Northwest Chicago. She ran a food pantry wow. and then delivered the Chicago Tribune newspaper. Wow. And and I, her, to watch, uh, and that's one of the things I think I learned from my mom that was so hugely impactful for me was her ability to, like literally my mom was the, the person that had the ability to pull it out no matter what, like we talked about out here walking the floor to pull it out no matter what, when we didn't have anything, you know? And I remember my mom, you know, like sitting there at Christmas, you know, and this was one of my Christmases when I was a child, we didn't have anything. And uh, literally have Christmas morning, like nothing. Just you as a sibling? Or, yeah, or, just myself just at you, the time. Yeah. And, um, and so didn't have anything for Christmas. And I had literally fabricated uh, an airplane out of an empty, um, and it's such a, such a vivid memory for me out of a empty toothpaste box wow. with some Q-tips. Yeah. And like I had this one, and I was literally playing around with it. And I remember my mom crying uh, because she was like, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Cause she couldn't afford to buy yeah, the I mean, again, yeah. and that's why to this day, um, Thanksgiving's still my favorite holiday. Because I'll tell you one thing, man, you put, you put 10 poor families together. Yeah. We will make, make some government cheese happen, man. Hell you can, yeah. you can make a badass Thanksgiving, but Christmas is a different thing. It's a very, very financially, uh, it's a financial ins financial thing, you know. Of course, go back to Little House on the Prairie where they're making everything out of wood, but yeah. we didn't have those skills. But, but the thing about that, and when I when I talk about that, uh, I talk about that from an importance of building the foundation of who I am, and and part of the things about what my mom instilled in me, and um, and coming from such a really horrible spot. Uh, not to say that I've uh, I to to be as far in a journey of what I think is as productivity, is a productive part of society uh, as I am, is just incredible. And it's, as we migrated through that, it's it's interesting as religion has always played a big part in my life as a, as a child. I, I don't, uh, my mom and dad both uh, found Christ and got involved in the church. Um, I, you know, I, I believe in God. I, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. Um, I don't, and, and this is something about an example of that, people who walk that faith, walk that line of faith is so, I have so much respect for that. It's like, people are like, oh man, are you, so are you, are you a Christian? I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I consider myself a Christian, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna thump my chest because I don't walk that path. I don't walk the the amount of dedication somebody who is like, I'm a born again Christian. I, I walk, I do this, I, I read the Bible constantly. I mean, I, I, um, I 100% believe in it. I've seen this incredible uh, transformation in my mom and dad to where they became these, you know, really, uh, we got back to, I mean, five years, my parents were separated. Wow. So five years, I, you know, I bounced around with my mom, uh, you know, staying at, like, it was back in the day when you're like, oh, you're going to stay at Auntie So-and-So's house. Oh. And like six months later, I'm still at Auntie So-and-So's wow. house. And uh, my parents, you know, they, they find Christ, they get back together. Uh, we finally settle in a suburb of Chicago outside of uh, uh, Palatine. Mm. And uh, end up living right across the street from the, the elementary school I end up going to. 
uh, first or uh, third through sixth grade is where I was there. And uh, start go to junior high. You know, I get involved in wrestling in junior high school, which is, I think, I'm gonna tell you right now, wrestling is the coolest sport in the world. I yes, absolutely love yeah. wrestling. I think it's, I think it's such a great sport. Uh, I even at my age now, I still like. I want to, I want to figure out how I can get in shape enough to go in there and not, you know, break something. Um, so I end up, uh, I end up going through junior high school. I get into high school. Um, interesting, uh, probably not for this this uh, platform, but an interesting um, traumatic situation happens in my life. I uh, I end up having really really high stress level causes what they were assuming was stress related pain in my stomach and uh it turns out it had nothing to do with stress related that my appendix had actually ruptured oh man and uh so i missed like six months of of high school and because it uh, eventually ruptured i said yeah it ruptured so what's funny is it ruptured and it healed itself off so they go in and most people they, die from that. Which yeah. it's really interesting is I so we go in for the uh, uh, we go in they they go in they do an exploratory surgery and they do an upper lower GI and the appendix doesn't fill with the, this is back in the barium enema days yeah you know when they go in the appendix doesn't fill with the uh, the dye and so they go well we we think it might be something we're going to go in and do exploratory surgery and they go in and they take all these photos they're like yeah so it had healed itself off it had surrounded itself with a bubble of scar tissue to kept it from becoming. You know, oh, wow. sepsis or all these other things and but it was causing you know extensive amount of pain yeah you know so this is like one in a million cases this happens and so i miss a ton of school and you're living with this pain as a child yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. chronic so I, pain yeah i miss it i miss a, about six months of high school and so it comes down i um it was at the point that i go to my senior counselor and they're like yeah you're gonna have to do at least another senior year which is devastating for a guy you know who's you know for anybody, you know, it'd be like, I got to do an extra year, man, I'm a dirt bag, you know, and I'm, yeah. I, was, I, I knew a lot of people in school. I was, uh, you know, I, I just, I really like, I mean, again, I'm a people guy. Yeah. So I had a girlfriend at the time who was uh, going to see the army recruiter and um, I go with her and he looks over at me and he goes, so what's your story? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I like, I think the army's cool. And literally, if you go back and look at kid pictures of me, like there's pictures of me in GI Joe, you know, all this stuff growing up. And he goes, well, what's your story? And I go, well, man, I said, uh, you know, I'm probably gonna have to gonna go an, F- an extra year to high school. You know, I may just drop out and get a GED or this. He goes, hang on, man, let's sit down and talk about this. And so I sit down and I take the the pre ASVAB test, and a guy's like, oh man, you're you'll be fine. You'll be what they call an alpha. He's like, you're gonna score a 75 on the ASVAB. And he's like, uh, and he's like, so hey, and this is this is interesting something you may not know, but in the late eighties, mid eighties, they had a program and there's open it up very rarely, but you could come in as a complete non-grad, no high school diploma, no GED, no, yeah. no additional uh, credentials at all. You could go in and join the army without a high school diploma. Yeah, You got a basic training, you an AIT. When you get to your final duty assignment, you spend three months in high school, finishing up your degree, finishing your yeah. high school, but you had to have a certain amount of credits. Like yeah. I, I think I was, I was going to have to go a full another year. So I was like, four or five credits away from getting my high school diploma. So I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, man. He goes, you can, you can do that. Yeah. And I was like, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, I got one slot for it. He goes, I I have one slot this month and I have one slot next month. And so I'm like, awesome. I'm in. And of course he, uh, the recruiter was a infantry guy. And I go, he's like, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, she, you know, I watched the video, you know, you know, you know, airborne ranger B 
all that you can oh, be. Oh, I love oh, those. Yeah. I grew up. Oh, and you're like, keep that. on reaching, <laughs> keep on growing. And there's a guy sitting there like, yeah, <laughs> like you're drinking coffee, you know, like, you're like that type of yeah. stuff. And it's like, I'm like, yeah, man, that's all I want to go. I want to be an infantry guy. Yeah. And so, uh, I go down to MEPS. I take the physical and, uh, they ask about, they ask for records pertaining to my appendicitis and everything's all good to go. And I, I you know, I'm all approved. I don't need a waiver or anything. And, uh, the guy goes, Hey man, unfortunately you're like, a and I said, NHG or not high school diploma graduate. Um, the only thing that you can do is uh, 13 fire, 13 Foxtrot, can of mm. fire direction specials. Yeah. So I come back. I it's go, like FO, right? Forward yeah, observer. I come back. I got this contract and I, I look at him and I go, man, I can, this is how, this is where I've come from. I couldn't even get into the infantry. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Like, so well, let me guess, you're going to go in there and be in the infantry. No, I didn't qualify. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. So I come back and I remember handing this, uh, his name was Ed Panis, P-A-N-A-S, Ed Panis. And he talked like this, right? And uh, and I go, I go, man, I, all they had was this 13 Foxtrot. And he looks at it. He looks at the contract. looks at me. He goes, so that you want? I go, no, man, I want to be an infantry guy. And he goes, no problem. You'll go back next month. And he deletes my slot and I go back next month. Oh. And I get infantry guy. And so I go, I just basically infantry guy. I go in and... Uh, I go to basic, I go to AIT, and my first duty assignment is Berlin. Berlin. I don't think that's an actual duty assignment now. Oh, no. It was, we were an yeah. army of occupation. Yeah. On the wall. On, literally, on the wall. There's, there was uh, an infantry, there was three infantry battalions, 4th, 5th, and 6th of the 502nd. Yeah. Uh, are in Berlin and we're at McNair Barracks, and it's an arm, well, you literally get an army of occupation ribbon. You know, like that, this wow. red and black ribbon. And this what was is, your patch? What was your unit patch? It was the Berlin. It was the Berlin. It's the Berlin with, patch. With the it has a flaming sword. In yes. The center yeah, of yeah, it. yeah. And so I go to, uh, I go to Berlin and I get there and I'm, I'm literally like brand new, like Italian kid. Never been outside the country. Chicago, never been outside the country. Like I'm, you know, I'm literally flying to berlin and i get there and i like got the short i'm like the ugly american i got the short haircut you know i'm on i don't speak and like as far and this is back when they had the deutschmarks not the euro which yeah. is like funny money yeah we first had like the american express cards like that was because american express was the only bank on base yeah and they hadn't hadn't improved the automation or technology to where like on every friday if i put my card in it said i could take out Three hundred dollars or six hundred Deutschmarks because it was one for it was two for one. Yeah, and I'd be like, Bing, and then come on Monday and realize I was three hundred dollars overdrawn. You know, so it was oh like, my god, oh yeah, it was, it's the craziest thing in the world. But dude, back then I was making my base pay was four hundred fifty four dollars a month. Wow, E one, E two. I was at E one. Oh my gosh, you know, they, you know they don't give E two to non grads. I know, man. So I go, I go to Berlin. I um, I spend three months in school. Uh, I, and I get my, I get an actual high school diploma, not a high school equivalency. So I get an actual high school diploma. Was it on the base? I assume. Yeah, it was on base. Okay, yeah, yeah. There's the education center there. So I yeah. go on base, same thing, place they had Head Start, all this stuff. Yeah. And, uh, all at the time, all of my senior leaders are all Vietnam vet guys. Like mm. the first sergeants, the sergeant majors, uh, platoon sergeants are all, all combat veterans. All yeah. Like, like Vietnam guys. Yeah. Uh, which is, which is an interesting dynamic. Um, the uh, did you notice did you notice any post traumatic stress indications in reflection like it's it's I always wanted to know guys who grew up in the eighties and even early nineties some of my, some of my airborne instructors they were Panama Grenada 
1983 uh, veterans. And one of my squad leaders, when I went in the infantry, was one of those guys, and he had he was crazy. I mean, he was batshit crazy. Hmm. Were any of the guys that were your leadership? Did you notice any quirks about him that you're like, oh man, this is different, or was it? I can't I can't really say. I mean, I, I was so young. I mean, yeah. I I don't I if if you would uh how old you're eighteen nineteen yeah I was eighteen years old at yeah. the time so yeah. um I, yeah I was just over eighteen because I December eleventh I was born sixty eight so. I just turned 18 in December. So I was, you know, here it is. I'm June, July. I'm in, you know, my final duty assignment. So I couldn't tell you. I used to, I used to be completely fascinated by, by their experience. You know, um, my father's a great man, great guy, uh, you know, blue collar guy, incredibly great dude, did, did the best he could. You know, he worked, worked really hard. And, you know, at that, in that age, you know, that was the time when, you know, when you talk about quality time, he walks over and flips the switch on and off and goes, that comes on, goes off, comes on, goes off because of me, you know, like, and you, you guys working, you know, 12, 12s, you know, straight, you know, a blue collar guy working in a factory, you know, at the grind for people. He absolutely hates bosses. He hates. Uh, I remember my dad had a boss who was an incredible, mm. incredible jerk. I'm going to pull this in front of you. Just like that. You're good. Incredible jerk. Yeah, you're good. It's just weird that you just did that. It's just like, wow. <laughs> the uh, you know, guy was a complete asshole. And I remember when the guy finally died of a heart attack, I asked my dad, I said, hey, man, are you going to go to his funeral? He goes, are you kidding me? He goes, I've been waiting 20 years for that son of a bitch to die. Damn. You know, I mean, it's like, that's the that's back in the, the day, grind. man. Like literal when, grind. When, when I got a family, do you hate your job? I love my family. Whoa. What do you think about your job? I love my family. Yeah. You know, I mean, you got you got kids, you know, need things. You know, you got to go to, you know, and I think it was, I used to think it was so insignificant, like when I was even in high school of like, Dad, I want I want to go to the prom, and I, you know, I need a tux, and I need, you know, dinner's going to cost two hundred bucks, and to have, you know, your dad who's making two thousand dollars a month hand you two hundred bucks, so you can go to one night dance. Jeez, I mean, you, that's that's incredible. I mean, incredible, yeah. uh, incredible fortitude, love, and, and number one to tolerate family, that, yeah. and then and then also servitude to understand, like, yeah, this is sure. You know, I, I don't, I'm, I won't get a new, I'll get a new pair of work boots next next year, so you can go to prom. You know, yeah. you start to think about that as you as you as you get to the point where you start to understand money and the value of things versus the monetary value of things. So back up, I you know I, I get uh, I got these incredible mentors, um, guys that I just felt you know, I just uh, it was really really impactful in in my career. Um, all combat leaders, all all combat guys, and you know guys who had had multiple multiple you know tours overseas. Uh, that's back when, you know, first sergeants weren't really articulate. Yeah. You know, there was a lot. Of, <laughs> and you lean over and you go, what do you say? Right face. Like, and so Berlin, <laughs> Berlin, everything in Berlin was, was, was Mount. Uh, yeah. and we talked about off camera, which is military operations and urban terrain. And, yeah. and, uh, and so you're literally in the Berlin brigade, you're the cities compartmentalized among allies. And so you have a section of the city that is the American sector. Yeah. And you have the French sector and the British sector. And so Berlin, and I think Pat Mack was actually there. Yeah. He was in Berlin, but he was there. Brad Halling as well. Yeah, was as there as an, S, as an SF guy. Yeah. And so they, they'll tell you about, so there's this place called Doughboy City. Probably the most incredible now looking back at it. Uh, they had like 100 buildings. It had a full operational railway. had a... Uh, uh, a subsystem, you know, like a sewer system through it all the way up to five story car garages. And this is in the late eighties. Yeah. 
Very and, modern. Yeah, yeah. But to be able to train in there and, and be able to do stuff in a big, you know, concrete, you know, facility. And so then, but again, the techniques, tactics, and practices are based on World War II stuff. So you would have, they would have one battalion go in and defend the city and the one battalion assault the city. And so uh, I remember um, one of my most um, profound memories of of being in Berlin with, uh, and my boss at the time, my platoon sergeant was a guy named Jesse Harris. And everybody called him the bulldog. Mm. And they talked just like this. <laughs> Pagnata, you know, like he's like this. And he's, he's, like, he's from Gary, Indiana. <laughs> and he's like this and smoke cools, you know, Ooh. cool 100s, man. Yeah. He's like, listen here, Pagnata. And I remember, so he was a... <laughs> In Vietnam, so he had reclassed like his last, like his last tour of Vietnam. Um, from so he was a he was a signal guy, so he was a commo guy, and he was worked in a bunch of different environments his first two tours, and then when he reclassed to be an infantry guy, he was like, yeah, I was coming back stateside, and he's like, yeah, he goes, and then my my dumbass brother got got a fucking draft notice, and he goes, and at the time. You know, only one son could be in Vietnam. And he goes, That's I right. knew that dumb motherfucker would get killed. So I fuck around, reclassified, went back. And he goes, bigger than shit, some bitch goes through the physical and gets fucking disqualified. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> you know, uh, but Jesse Harris, man, probably one of my my most fond memories of a senior non-commissioned officer. And there's a few of them um, that we'll probably talk about. But, uh, you know, Jesse comes up to me and they're like, he's like, pick not up. He's like, you're my RTO. And I'm like, Got no idea what the fuck that is, but all right, cool. And <laughs> so, that. yeah, I mean, this is back when we were running crystals and TA1 wire. Oh, wow. Like you're literally kink, kink, kink with an E-tool burying wire 12 inches wow. in the ground to set up your, you know, your patrol base, your CP, your company, yeah. your company headquarters or your platoon headquarters. And so uh, Sergeant Harris is like, you know, and there was a lot of really great um, father developmental talks that I would have, you know, I'd go out and I'd lay all the combo out, you know, like well, I remember it's just very, very vivid. We had a one like, like a Calfax, but like an Idri type thing, like where the battalions, one to battalions defending. And so I was in third platoon, Charlie Company, and we were defending this building. It was a five story. And our, my platoon leader at the time was a guy named Louis Long, mm. Louis Long. We used to call him LL Cool J. Little short guy from Tybee Island, Georgia. Uh, credible good dude. Had I mean had a big square jaw talk like this. I mean he's from Tybee Island, Georgia. He like a Sore Harris, Sore Harris. <laughs> a really excitable guy, man. And incredibly actually I've connected with him on LinkedIn. He's a fucking hell of a dude. I I need to connect with him even more. So I'm the RTO and uh and we're defending this city. And of course, they had OC walkers that would come in and they cut wires and stuff, you know, to kind of because you you defend a city and you don't have real live, you know, we still carried the 90 millimeter recoilless rifles. You don't have people shooting bazookas in the windows, yeah. blowing stuff out. Are you using blanks? Oh, yeah. We're no using, miles yeah, gear at yeah, this time. Well, yeah. No, we're using blanks and miles oh, gear. Miles, but this is okay. like, you know, first gen miles where yeah. you're like, pow, 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 pow. <laughs> you know, you're like, <laughs> you know, and, uh, so we're defending this building and I'm, you know, I'm down in the basement with, uh, with Sergeant Harrison, you know, it's, we get this candles, like, you don't I mean there's like, you get like three chem lights per company, you know, like this is back in the day. Yeah. We got M ones and shit. And, uh, so I'm down there. I got all my, and he's like, uh, pick He's like, call, call, uh, call first squad. See what they got on the perimeter. And I'm like, zzz, zzz, zzz. I'm like CP first squad. Okay. Get another Sergeant Harris. We lost comms. He's like, God damn it. And so there's candles all around and Sergeant Harris is just sitting there. Right. smoking a cool right we got an oc observer down there in the basement and uh so eventually as they're trying to assault this assault the building and get inside the building gain a foothold and, and take over the building 
uh, the OCs will start cutting because you got triple strand concertina wire going all the way up to the third floor. Like it was 2,000, we would fill 2,000 sandbags to build a 50 cal fighting position wow. in a building. Indoors. Indoors. Yeah, like, yeah. Gah, 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 gah. dudes are bleeding. They're like, oh, that's fucking great, man. You know, <laughs> just don't lead them as much. You know, that's some shit, right? And uh, so I'm down there and he goes, and so it takes his time where he tells me this, what I think is probably incredibly developmental from a young RTO standpoint. He goes, uh, he goes, Pignato. He goes, you know who the most important person is in a platoon, in combat? And I go, negative sergeant and i'm he goes the rto he goes because the rest of us get killed you the only motherfucker knows what's going on <laughs> and he goes he goes i understand that and remember that and i'm like all right roger sergeant so he's like he's like this is the importance of you being able to understand this and pay attention and take notes and this and da 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 he's like because you know the call signs you know how to call for this you know how to call for that you know where we're at and where we're supposed to be you know who was there and who wasn't there and i'm like right on cool and so uh the oc start cutting the constantino wire and a lot they allow people to breach the building and uh Zard Harris, I could just see I could see it. I could see the look in his eyes where he just makes this transition from developmental to to Papa Bear defensive posture. And Sergeant Sergeant our Lieutenant Long's run up and down stairs. He's like, Sergeant Harris, Sergeant Harris, they breach the building. They breach the building. He looks at me and he goes, Pignata. He goes, blow out them candles. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's about to get dark. And so, dude, I'm like. Right, I'm blinking and shit. You know, I got my, my fucking my helmet's on all crooked and shit. I'm like, Roger. Like <laughs> and he turns to OC. He goes, oh, am I authorized to do close-in kills? And, and the OC has no idea. He's like, okay. So he's got a bayonet with a sheath on this fucking thing, right? And uh, and so about two seconds in it, you see Lieutenant Long comes down the, the stairs and he's like, beep. And he's like, sorry, Harris, I'm dead. So we blot all the candles and all of a sudden these guys start coming down. Then this is before white lights, you know, you're running PVS floors, oh, yeah. which you can see this. Yeah. Right. And these guys are like, Dan, 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 Dan. He's like, pick not get over in that corner. And he goes, he goes, yeah, man. He goes, nighttime's my time, motherfucker. Right. And it's like, literally, I just remember him saying like, nighttime's my time. Right. <laughs> and all I can see is this dude's eyes. Right. Like, and he is like, he is fucking, and I just hear, close and kill motherfucker. Like, and he's <laughs> the lights finally like finally the the oc goes okay listen index 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 you know and they start turning on fucking white light flashlights you've got the elbow flashlights yeah right? and there's dudes with shit twisted right there and all of a sudden you see click 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 and you see the glow of this ember of this cool and it's like <laughs> i mean he's just the coolest dude in the world man oh and, shit and he was just such a great mentor to me um, that, I mean, I just, I, 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 that was the moment that I realized the impact of, of, of connectivity, uh, of connectivity to somebody from a leadership standpoint, or even a peer or somebody that, um, an aspiration, um, goes back to that connective tissue. And, uh, I remember when I left and I'm a brand new private, I've, I've been, I've been overseas for two years. I've got a girlfriend in the United States and I remember crying because I was PCSing. Oh, wow. Um, because I didn't want to, I mean, I really didn't want to leave. You know, I mean, these. this is my first, this is it. You know, this is your first is, tribe. Yeah, this develop, is where, yeah. yeah, this is my, you know, first rock is free, man. And I'm like, I'm addicted. And uh, and I think that was pivotal in setting me up for, you know, this is also back, it's, you know, some funny stories is, uh, uh, you know, Sergeant Harris was, uh, you know, we did a bunch of stuff with like the Cosbys and the Brits and all that stuff. And uh, 
you know, I remember Sergeant Harris coming up to me one time and you know, as I was getting ready to leave and he's like, uh, he goes, you know, this is what it's about. He's like, this is what it's about. Meaning this is what it's about. It's about people. It's he about, knew it. Yeah. He knew he's yeah. like, um, and I, you know, I had some times where he had, he had, there was a time he came up to me. We had, a um, we were on a road March and, uh, I had one of our, um, one of our military training exercises. I had fell through running across the top of a building. I had fell through, uh, and this is back in the day, dude, when like, you know, you, we went to Hamelburg and I started to tell this story about training with the, uh, Cosby's King's own Scottish border. And we go to Hamelburg, there's this German infantry school and you'd park at the railhead and you'd hump up and it's raining, nasty, horrible. And uh, the Cosby's have this guy that's just, it plays bagpipes and they got people that protect this guy to play bagpipes. And this is before, you know, you couldn't touch people, you know, stiff hand and stuff. And, and they're E7, um, you know, seven tours in Northern Ireland. I remember Sergeant Harris saying, you know, I got three tours in Vietnam, but that motherfucker's crazy. You know, it's like, crazy, yeah, yeah super, super dope time and, and opportunities. And this was, you know, this is back when, you know, you'd grab three privates and you'd empty an Alice pack. Like if you were a cool guy, if you had a, an Alice pack, yeah, like a, yeah. a large Alice pack, you'd empty the Alice pack and you'd take off, you know, take off running, like sneak out, take off running, go find an Imbus stand and put a full rack of ice and beer in there, creak, and then run back, you know, and then start, wow. you guys good? Yeah, we're good. You know, and just yeah. like, I was like, <laughs> you know, this is back, this is back when you could drink three beers, uh, you could three, drink three beers at lunch. And yeah, I that's going, right. Yeah, I remember going in. Yeah, and I remember going into uh, clean out the first sergeant's office. Who was a Vietnam vet? I go clean out the first sergeant's office, and I walk in there, and they're having a platoon sergeant's meeting. And I'm like, and I look at the trash can; it's full of fucking beer. It's full of empty beer cans. And I go, uh, I go, hey, hey, first sergeant, I, I thought it was only three beers at lunch. He's like. He goes, that's right, motherfucker. Three for him, three for him, three for him. And that motherfucker don't drink, so I drank his. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and there's literally, I'm like, Damn. Roger, you know, I just pick that shit and take it a off. A different man. time. Yeah, it was a different time. It was cool, though, man. It was uh, it was an interesting, amazing time that I, I thoroughly enjoyed. And then I uh, I PCS after that, I PCS to, uh, to Fort Campbell, uh, which was another really, I, dude, I'll tell you, I really, really liked the 101st a lot. I had an incredible time there. Uh, it was a great, great organization. Some, I had some really cool, really cool mentors there. Uh, another amazing uh, Sergeant Major story, or another amazing leader mentor of mine. Uh, our Sergeant Major at the time was a guy named uh, Johnny Riley, mm. and he was a 173rd vet. Um, Vietnam vet, 173rd. Yeah, sky soldier, yeah. and he used to talk like this right here. <laughs> and he used to have that smile like this right here. <laughs> And he was from he was from Beaumont, Texas. Mountain of a guy. I mean, mm. just a mountain of a guy. Shaved his head bald. And uh, when he first came to the battalion, he uh, he has him cut down a tree in Eagle Park. So there's a stump, and he mm. says, "I want all the non commissioned officers to meet me over at Eagle Park." <laughs> and so we go over there. We go over to Eagle Park, and uh, we're all standing around. I'm a corporal. Now, this uh -huh. is back when they had DA corporals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I'm a DA corporal, which is, you know, I mean, there's, there ain't, there's no piss hotter than a DA corporal. Yeah. Right? And, uh, and I'm standing out there and he comes out and he walks out of the woods, right? And he walks up, stands on that stump and he's like, hello, combat. My name is Johnny Riley. And he goes, he starts talking about his background and he's talking like this right here. And this is, this is where I got an incredible addiction to orators 
Yeah. Like the people that can command oh, yeah. a room. Yeah. And I that's that's what's that's one of the things I love about and this is where the, the connect to take connective connect connective tissue and then take communication. And that communication is also it's a, it becomes another conduit for connectivity. Yeah. They're masters and, of it, those those men. Oh yeah. man. And so he's standing he, his hands, incredible hands, I guess, and he talks a lot like this. He's like, Let me tell y'all something like that. <laughs> And he's looking across and he waits. And this is why, I, and I learned this. It's like T.D. Jakes. If you've ever watched T.D. Jakes, he's a preacher. Yeah. Uh, I, I I will watch T.D. Jakes. You can be an atheist mm. and watch T.D. Jakes. He's an incredible orator. Get something from his message. He will start with a fork and you will be on a plane. And wow. you were there for the whole journey and you're emotionally connected to it. So that was Johnny Riley. He looked around and like, he's like, let me tell y'all something calm, man. He's like, so... I come to y'all from the 173rd. And he comes to cracks his vision, elbow. And he's like, now, now I want y'all to know that your battalion saw major is the rankingest saw major on this base. And he's like, and they came to me and said, do you want the division? I said, no, sir. Do you want a brigade? I said, no, sir. I'd like a battalion because I want to be with the soldiers. And his, oh, it trails off at the end. And I'm just fucking hanging on everything this dude says. Like, dude, right now, it fucking gives me goosebumps. I can still dude, feel this. crazy. Dude, right? And so he goes, uh, he goes, now I want y'all to understand and feel confident in your senior non-commissioned officer that I have the ability to lead you. So I'm going to tell y'all the story. And he said in Vietnam, my lurk team had been ambushed. And he's like, we were on Hill 878 and, and about me was the bodies of my comrades dead and dying. My radio had been shot. He's like, I had one bullet left in my 45. And he's like, if you've ever heard the Vietcong when they begin to make an assault on an objective, they're very energetic. And he says they let out a war cry. Ah! Right? And I'm fu- I'm a corporal, dude. You're so like, I'm like shit in your bed. I'm like, fuck the yes. <laughs> and he goes, and he's like, uh, do you know, do you know what I did as they made that final war cry to begin the assault upon my objective? And I'm like, and he goes, I tell you what I did. He's like, I jerked back to slide on that 45. I caught that bullet midair. I bit the end off that motherfucker and I drank that gunpowder down. I reached up in my rucksack. I pulled out my Superman suit and I flew off that motherfucker. <laughs> and he says it with the most serious thing I've ever seen. My life. And we're like, ah, this motherfucker. <laughs> he did not just get us like that. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want y'all to know that y'all saw Major had a sense of humor. <laughs> Shit, man. Dude, this guy. Oh my god. I mean, this oh, my is face this, hurts. this is the oh. same guy, dude. Uh so this guy, I'm getting ready to go to B knock. And uh and it's this E6 guy, school, the old yeah, yeah, the old E6 school, right? Yeah. So it's I'm getting ready to go to B knock and I'm a I'm a buck sergeant and I'm getting ready to go to B knock. I was a sergeant promotable and I'm getting So you're gonna be a squad leader. You're yeah, setting you yeah, yeah, squad leader. Yeah. So I'm getting ready to go to uh B knock and he goes, uh so he would brief everybody, get ready to go to NCOS school. And this is the guy that, and this is another thing that I find incredibly valuable, is from a proficiency standpoint. And I think this is important in the, the core of this, of our 
talk today is is about proficiency at levels. Yeah. Um. I think that it's it's interesting when somebody comes out of a of a school or a, you know, an, ed, an institution of higher education and they they've got all the theories and they've got the best practices of somebody else. Um. But he told me and he said to me he goes he goes uh, saw Pignato and he called it by combat. He goes. Uh, now, as a squad leader, you know you should be able to qualify expert with every weapon in your squad. Mm. And he goes, and as a platoon sergeant, you should be able to qualify expert with every weapon in your platoon. And he goes, first sergeant, same. He goes, and you can guarantee as a sergeant major, I can qualify expert with every weapon in this motherfucker. <laughs> Right. And next to me is an 11 Charlie nerd guy, got college, like super smart guy. Yeah. And it's like, oh, he's like, he goes and he looks over and he goes, uh, he goes, well, there are 11 Charlie motor man. He goes, you don't think the saw major can qualify? You don't think I know the minimum effective range of the 60 millimeter motor? And our maximum, you know, minimum, yeah. you know, minimum uh, safe distance. I can yeah. with the vernacular use. And, uh, and the, the guy's like, he goes, oh, it's a sword major. Than he goes, he goes, let me tell you something, calm, man. He goes, I fired a 60 millimeter motor to where the frags hit the tube. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah. You know, he's just like, it's an incredible guy. But I mean, think about that from a corporate standpoint is it's one of the things I liked about when I, when I, first took over the business development side of the house from the company is his staying is I wanted to be a sales guy too. I yeah. wanted to be out. I wanted to stand behind a table and have go. So are you my rep? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I sure am because I want to be able to, to understand your needs and desires so that when you get into the boardroom, you know what skill level one is. That's one of the things I think is so important about the military is that even a Lieutenant, you know, starts off with this. So when he is a general, he doesn't forget where it may have been a long time. There may be some forget, but mm. that's what the non-commissioned officers here is to remind him, hey, sir, cool here, you know, because we're not that far removed from it. We're still in connectivity, connective tissue wise of it. So, uh, but yeah, no, Johnny Riley was an incredibly great, uh, incredibly great mentor. Um, I, 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 I literally felt, I mean, and, and I, I've tried, I've searched for this guy. So if, yeah. I mean, everyone knows this guy, but I know he's, uh, he was originally from Beaumont, Texas. Just, this is a guy that, um, that was absolutely fearless. You mm -hmm. know, when you have, when you have situations where, uh, you know, the Colonel comes out and says, Hey guys, we can't write letters home. We can't do this. We can't do this, this and that. And you got the Sergeant major who comes out there and goes, uh, have no fear. Because the sergeant major will be out in front of the battalion knocking down them bullets, and you're like, "Fuck yeah, you will." That's you awesome. Know? He's such yeah. a, such an incredibly impactful leader and such a dynamic impact on me as a young commissioned officer. And then I know the fast forward to uh, when I end up getting to finally get to the airplane gang. Uh, you know, I have another great sergeant major mentor, which was a guy named uh, Cravis Tabron. Mm. Um, and uh, I get there, I'm a brand new, you know, I'm a freaking bald wing guy. And uh, I get, so it's, it's interesting about that, that's that generation, um, that generation, because we had been so long uh, before we had any really, really major conflicts. And you got this generation of, of SAR majors and soldiers that still understand. Uh, and as we do now, you got this incredible impact and the development of them as leaders and the impact and people. And I know we talked about this off offline, but to know, know who those people are and the importance of those people, mm. uh, the importance of those people and being able to 
if I, if I'm if I'm going to ask you to do something for me, and you're going to ask something of me, at least know my wife's name, at least yeah. know my kid's name, at least know where I'm from. Have put that much time in. Mm. Uh, I always I always always just love as the star majors would walk the line. You know, like all the old veterans would all be like, I walked the line, Sarge. I walked the line, mm. you know? And he used to walk the line. Like we'd be out, you know, in the woods doing something or training or being somewhere and, and Star Major would show up and he'd walk out and look like that some bitch just fell out of a magazine, you know? <laughs> like beautiful. Like you'd be like, damn. And then walk up to you and you're in the shittiest position of your whole life. And he's like, Sarge Pignato, you play volleyball, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, Star Major. Okay, you're on the battalion volleyball team. I don't like to lose. Walk away. <laughs> Fuck. Your morale would spike through the roof. I mean, I'm, I'm crazy. Like, and all I'm crap. thinking, like, I'm like, hey, man, hey, grab that ballistic helmet. Like, hey, man, blow up that air mattress. We're gonna fucking hit that thing around a little bit. That's you know? crazy, man. But it's, but, but it's, and I, and I think it's a, it's a great segue into what we were talking about earlier. Is, is fast forward through all that. You know, I end up, I end up retiring from the army, and the army and its infinite wisdom. It was a really interesting time. So, and I was really mad about it. Uh, so right about in the twilight of my career, the army and its infinite wisdom decides that, you know, this is night, this is post 9-11. This is combat's happening. There's a lot of weird stuff going on in the world. A lot of opinions. Uh, recruiting's really, really hard. So the army and its infinite wisdom decides to reach into combat arms MOSs and select senior non-commissioned officers to come on to recruiting duty. Yeah. Because so the demand. Yeah. Well, never it's, seen it's, that it's the also demand. because they want to take guys from combat arms MOSs, um, people who had been in different leadership environments and insert them into the use rec, into the use rec bubble. And I was mad, super hot. Yeah. You know, that I was DA select. I remember it came down. Yeah, I, remember I was super yeah. hot, uh, super, super hot. And um, I, I really, I called my star major. I called everybody. I'm like, no, 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 this is bullshit. Yeah. You know, da, 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 da. Okay. It's, we're going to do this for you. So there's some advantages. And I had one of my, probably one of my, my truly great mentors, um, um, not even formally, but informally, is a guy named John Humphreys. Uh, he was range 37 guy, civilian, Mr. Humphreys. You may oh, remember him. Yeah. Oh my God. He was one of my instructors. Yeah. John. Yeah. Mr. Humphreys. Yeah. John. All right. Listen yeah. here. God damn it. Uh, yeah. Right, you're gonna, that's not the way it's going to happen. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I knew, I've known John. Super for, respected. For, Everybody knew yeah, him. Like yeah. if my wife ever leaves me, it's going to be for John Humphreys. That's all. Awesome, or man. Joe Dwyer. That's yeah. the, that's the two people. Humphreys was so, good people. Jay Delicious. Uh, so <laughs> the, uh, so John was like, Hey, Sarge, listen, you know, uh, you got a lot from the army, you know, and, uh, army wants a little back. So suck it up. <laughs> You know, he goes, who knows what's going to happen? You know, maybe a good thing for you. So I end up getting tasked um, to go to recruiting command. And I'm fortunate enough in the journey, I end up being an SF recruiter. Oh, really? Uh, which was really cool. So I, I'm, I'm an SF recruiter. And then um, for a part of that, and then as I continue to progress, so I end up retiring out of, I get stationed in Lexington, Kentucky. And so I'm in Lexington, Kentucky, and I'm mad. I'm, I'm mad about the whole process. I'm mad that I'm in this position. I'm mad at things that are going on. And um, my wife gets diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh, no. Um, and it turns out that Lexington, Kentucky is, has one of the top cancer research facilities in the United States. Wow. So when you start talking about oh, wow. the whys, yeah. um, and my wife's been you know 22 years you wow. know, cancer-free. And so uh, one of the interesting things about USAREC at people may not know is that's the two largest budgets in the army are USREC and Special Operations Command. Yeah. And USREC spends a ton of time teaching business to non-business people. I'm a knuckle dragon infantry guy. 
Mm. And I'm learning about demographic analysis, market analysis, developing marketing plans, marketing messaging, all this stuff, you know, mm. as a as a first arm, I'm I'm learning stuff not not forgetting the stuff that I learned as as an infantry guy, but learning stuff from a total business standpoint. Mm. And remember, I'm, you know, I've got the typical promotional stuff. I've got the equivalents of a bachelor's degree now because I got enough college, you know, which is how you make EA and all and E7, and everything else. And I get to uh, I get there, I spend a couple years and I retire. I decide I'm going to retire right then and there. I'm requesting to go back to here. I want to go here. Sorry, we can't. You know, this is what you're going to do. I'm like, well, fine, I'm going to retire. So I retire there in Lexington, Kentucky. And I, I end up, because of this recruiting experience, I end up getting um, tagged. Guy reaches out to me and says, hey, there's this contract position. Work for a company called EDS, which is Ross Perot's, one of Ross Perot's old companies. And it's working for the recruiting command as a... Um, an applications trainer. So the army had purchased this market analysis, business analysis program. And the job was, I went to the school for eight weeks to learn how to take this complete market analysis program, which is really cool because it becomes a target analysis. It becomes an operational analysis. Mm. And so I knew that stuff, you know, I knew how to, I knew, target demographic. I knew how to analyze things, analyze the enemy activity. I knew how to do that. So it was really neat transition for me to come into where I'm like, oh, cool, man. So I, I can tell you how many people graduate from this college with financial aid and how many people at the end of this four years of college or how many people graduate in 4.5 years, what's the freshman retention rate, all these different things. And so I spent about two years traveling around the United States talking to senior leadership in USREC and teaching them about this program. Oh, well, as a civilian? As a civilian, oh, wow. it's a contract cool. gig. Yeah. And so uh, like domestic contract gig, and I'm like, and it's, what's really cool about it is it became this incredible stimulus for me and an incredible transition for me, which I think is, has become hugely impactful of, you know, three quarters of my career, I'm mentored by these amazing combat leaders. And then I spend uh, the twilight of my career learning the business side of things mm -hmm. and how, how to make, it's if you think of 36 months of ACAP, you know, it becomes an incredible transition for me. And I, so I, I end up, the contract runs out. I, I leave that contract gig and I go to work for budsgunshop.com. Yeah. So I come there. And so during my- At the time, the biggest, one of the biggest- Still is the largest online retailer. Yeah. I mean, they're yeah. huge. Um, interesting story about how that started is, uh, and if I know we have time, but the, uh, is budsgunshop.com is, is no kidding, is started from Bud. There is a Bud. And Bud will tell you that when he first started Bud's Gun Shop, it was in an 800 square foot apartment, and that included the apartment up or 800 square foot retail store, and that included the apartment him and his wife lived in upstairs. Wow, wow. Um, partnered with a guy named Rex McClanahan, um, who sold aircraft parts online, um, and somebody, a mutual investor, had put them together. And said, "Hey, man, what if you could sell guns online?" They were the first ones, and everybody said, "No, you can't sell guns online. Can't do it. You won't be able to sell guns online. Can't do sell guns online." So. They uh, they they put him and and Rex together, and uh, they carve out a little piece of this store out of Paris, Kentucky, and they actually took a woman's bathroom and converted it into an office. Ran some Cat Five cable in there. They took wow. the, they took the shitter out. They took the stall walls out. They put a big green trash bag over the the uh, refuse hole, and they put two computers in there. And that's how they started BudsGunShop.com. Was Rex Crazy, McClanahan man. and a guy to ship? Crazy. What year was that? Um, ninety ninety. No, no, no. 2003, I want to say. Mm. 
2004, something like that. Uh, yeah, it was in the 2000s, 2003, 2003, 2004. And so, you know, and I, I did an interview with Rex about this, talking about it. And uh, Rex uh, said they started off, man, like the first year they did like 50 grand, you know, trying to figure out shipping and how to ship and how to, you got to ship to another FFL. Can you do that? Is it legal? And uh, it got to the point where um, gradually and, and um, um, they move, they grow. They get better now. They got four people, and then they get six people, and I get eight people. Now they're taking up the whole back, and the business is doing a million dollars a year. And this is two years into it. Wow. So Rex said he was sitting there, and he goes, I'd finally had an office. And he goes, and uh, Bud walks in the office. He's got some dude in a suit with a briefcase. And he walks in and he uh, slaps down a contract in front of Rex. He says, Hey, hey listen, I need you to sign this. And Rex said, I looked up at him and he said, Yeah, he goes, I'm going to make you 50% partner in budsgudgeham.com. And he goes, well, I mean, you know, bud, you don't have to. He goes, nope, I'm going to make you a partner. He goes, and it's going to cost you $1. And Rex looks at him and he goes, well, shit, bud, I don't even have any cash on me. Bud reaches in his pocket, pulls out a dollar bill, hands it to Rex, goes, give back to me. And nice. he can sign that. You're now a partner in wow. Bud's Gudgeon. You're a 50% partner in budsgudgeon.com. Holy crap. That, that's got to be a half a million dollar your business. Yeah. Half a billion. Yeah. Easily. I mean, it's, <clears throat> and again, it's, 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 um, it's an interesting story. You know, you get a guy who started and literally Bud, Bud was a firefighter. Wow. You know, Bud was a firefighter, uh, still is. You know, Bud was, I remember, you know, probably 20 years ago, Bud was told he had COPD and had six months to live. 20 years ago. <laughs> right? Beating the odds. Beating the odds. And, and it ain't like he went on a diet. Yeah. You know, I mean, he still is, he's an incredible good guy and a funny story is, uh, but 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 just such a, a unique character. I mean, the way and he was a hundred percent people guy. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, he's a he's a big personality guy, and and uh, you know they to take that philosophy and, and turn it into a big business with some smart people and smart smart people connecting with him. It was it was an incredibly interesting story. So anyway, backstory is I I go to work for budsgunshop.com. Um, after I leave there because I'm I'm like okay cool this was a cool gig. I still don't have a college degree. Um, I'm like, cool. I, you know, I, I was a competitive shooter at the time. I was still teaching and training people with handgun stuff, mostly some rifle stuff here and there. So they hire me as their director of training. So I go to work there. And while I was a contractor, I started a, a, a company that sold competition shooting parts, mm -hmm. products, built guns. Your own set. company. You started yeah, your own company. company. Oh, yeah. wow. And so here I am. I'm a brand new guy. I don't know shit about business. I was literally running it out of a room in my house. Uh, shipping stuff myself. I had a storage unit. I'd go over and I'd pack up boxes and ship wow. this stuff out. I was traveling around the United States, you know, shooting matches. You know, I would literally set up, and Max will tell you this, I would set up a, I would set up a table and I would pedal my wares on, on Friday or I'd shoot the match on Friday. I would pedal my wares on Saturday and Sunday and I'd be back sitting behind my desk in my house on Monday. Wow. And I would drive all the way to Texas. Like I would drive all night and I'd be there answering the phone. I had a little website I had built for $2,000. You know, I, you know, I think my first, my first year in business, I did like 12 grand Wow. and I spent like 25 grand, you know, I was like, and I'd literally, I travel around, I'd shoot products, I'd promote products. I do videos. This is where I started doing, you know, talking about products or doing videos of me shooting products. So I go to, I, I end up, um, Long story short is uh, that business gets to a point where I still have it. It's just I have to get it. I have to get a real job. So I hear that BudsGunShop.com is looking for a director of training. I meet them. I sit down. I have an interview with them. They're like, great. I'm making 50 grand a year. Right. I go in there and, and they've got a 6,000 square foot indoor training bay. So it's me, a kid from the Ranger Regiment, and a kid from 10th uh, group. 
Okay. Yeah, 10th group. What um, year is it? What year is this? This is 2009. Wow. Okay. Yeah, 2009. And so I go to I go to work with them. I start uh, I start teaching training. You know, we have a lot of guys coming down because this is when people are starting to really understand the idea of competitive shootings application towards you know we're not I'm not teaching anything techniques tactics and practices yeah. gun handling proficiency fundam fundamentals and shooting targets faster for sure you know yeah. reloads you know positioning gear on your on your on your belt you know to be able to get to it more yeah. effectively not just I'm not just transporting gear I'm actually you know th this is stuff I got to get to it's uh and we'll talk about that when we start talking about concealed carry but so I, I go there and I'm doing this and and one day uh Bud walks in and uh, you know you've heard of the company Gerson. Mm -hmm. So Gerson makes uh, a shotgun. So yep. Bud's Gun Shop was one of the initial importers of Gerson. They come in, they they uh, they come in to promote this shotgun, and Bud walks in the in the office, and he goes, "Hey man, listen." He goes, I'm going to take this goddamn shotgun right there. I want you to go in that old training room, whatever your old tactical self, and I want you to do a little video, tell people about these some bitch shotguns. Wow. And I go, okay. So in my best military fashion. I uh, uh, I reach back into when I was a jump master instructor, and I go, okay, cool. I'm just gonna have to figure this out. So I walk in there. I set up a Sony Handycam on three target sticks, and I got this thing zip tied to this Handycam. And I walk in. You can see the first video, press record, and somebody's going, right? And I walk around right in front. I go, hi, folks. Tony from BudsGunShop.com. Yeah. And I go, today I'm here to talk to you about the Gerson MC312 shotgun. So the Gerson MC312 shotgun. This is back when it was the entire platform is modeled off of like the M1. Super 90s. Yeah. So it's got a steel tail on the back of the bolt carrier group, mm. which is pretty cool for making a gun run really well. You could polish that thing up. There's a bunch of things about that inertia drive that you can make from a performance standpoint. It's pretty cool. So I go in here and I shoot, I shoot this thing and I run through the whole thing. I get to the end and I go, remember folks, uh, stay, f I, I, I know I got to outro this. So I go, I get back in front of the camera and I go, remember folks, stay safe, train hard, win the fight. And I come to position of attention and I go, you can find this product and many more at budsgunshop.com. And I walk around, you can see the camera go, beep, beep, and we turn it off. We sell like 5,000 of them bitches. Wow. Based on the media position, education. This is new. Value Brand new. Yep. Brand new, man. This, yeah. is in, this is in 2009, 2010, somewhere in that right? Uh, 2010, maybe 2000. Yeah, that's in that, that, that time yeah. frame. Facebook, are you putting it on Facebook? You put it on the, the website? This is the, so the thing about it is Buds was the original email segmentation guys. Wow. So they email it out to people who had bought shotguns before. They email it to their company. They got, you know, at the time, they probably had, you know, 2 million customers on an email list. Wow. And so they send the email out. We sell a shit ton of these shotguns. Bud comes in there. And he's watching this video. He don't even know how to start it. He's like, what, what do I press right here? Let's press it right here. And he's got his two partners in there. So he's y'all got this son of a bitch here doing the wrong thing. Hmm. So they move me into the marketing department as the director of marketing. <laughs> do you know what the marketing department is? Uh. Me and a dude. <laughs> $150 million a year business. It's me and a dude. Yeah. And I got, I got a bunch of college. I got no degree. I'm in here with a guy who's like self-taught video editor and all we start doing is videos yeah. and we start connecting with the customer. We start reaching out through the easiest form of communication. And I'll tell you a company that does it really good is Revzilla. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Revzilla. Hey I folks, used to Anthony from Revzilla. Yes. Hey folks, Anthony from Revzilla. I started Dude. watching their stuff early on. All the educational product, they're very good at Dude, the Dude, that education. Anthony's a guy who owns a place. Yeah. And so that dude would sit there and he goes, hi, folks, Anthony from Revzilla. And today we're going to talk about the da -da 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 helmet. He would talk about fitment, all that stuff. So I used to yep. watch, again, going back to TD Jakes, how can I connect with you? How can I establish a transparent, organic relationship with you from a visual, um, non 
or uh, it's not organic, it's a mechanical standpoint. How can I connect with you? How can you have trust in me? Because it's like your brand message. Your brand message has to be authentic. It has to be believable. It has to be shareable. Yeah. Because if I don't believe you, it's a lie. I'm going to share it, but I'm going to share the fact that you're lying. Yeah, yeah. If it's not authentic, I'm going to troll you because I can Google that shit and find out you're full of shit. Yeah. And it has to be shareable. I mean, I want to tell your story. I mean, it's like I want to be able to, I want to associate with you from that brand perspective. So it was cool. I get there and I decide in this space, now I'm I'm 40 years old. I decide I'm going to go to college. At 40. At 40. Yeah. And so I spend two and a half years in college full time. While so while doing this, you're you're getting a, your undergraduate degree and yeah. something yeah. related and, to this. And so I'm I go to school I go to school full time, um, and I'm literally two and a half years into it. I'm going to school. I'm getting a degree in, in business management, and I'm, I want to concentrate in marketing. And so two and a half years later, I graduate like the sixth of March. I get my bachelor's degree in business management, and I leave Bud's Gun Shop. Uh, they knew I was leaving. I said, Hey man, listen, I want to leave. I'm going to leave at the end of first quarter because there were some things I wanted to do from a performance standpoint. And I said, uh, I want to, I want to go do something on my own. I want to start my own, my own business, my own marketing firm. I think I can go out and help people grow. And so just because this is the time where people weren't doing it, there wasn't a lot of this YouTube stuff going on. Yeah. Brand I, new to everybody. And it was really interesting is cause I, dude, I'd be at shot show and literally be in a pisser and a guy be in a stall and be like, Hey, man, is that Tony from Bud's Gun Show? And dude, come out of the bathroom like, dude, you called me a lot of money, man. You know what I mean? They got 2 million customers. So people are watching. Oh, these yeah. Videos, and huge. they're emailing this. Yeah. So there's a, now here it is. There's that organic. Tony's coming. It's like Tony TV. You're like, I'm coming into your, I'm coming into your, hey, what's up, man? What's going on? Yeah. And as I, and what's funny is uh, Rex's son, whatever, like, hey, folks, Tony from Bud's Gun Show. Hey, folks, Tony from Bud's Gun Show. Like he used to joke. Hey, folks, Tony from Bud's Gun Show. Yeah. Hey, folks, Tony from Bud's Gun Show. Um, it got really cool is because you realize the impact of doing that, oh, the yeah. impact of video communication with somebody, because I can see you. And this is before all this was, I mean, you're talking about 11, 12, uh, you know, 13, cause I left buds in 2015. And so I leave, uh, I tell I'm leaving. I said, I'm going to, you know, start my own thing. So I start my own consulting firm, mm. marketing consulting firm. And my reasons behind it is like I talked about before is like being the constant student is I go, I, I felt like I really knew a lot about macro. Like I knew a lot about the big company guys. I knew about being able to send an email out to to 10,000 people who own Glocks and sell 10,000 Glock base pads. I really felt I knew about that. I felt I knew about email segmentation, about connecting with the customer, about what, how to connect with the customer. And I was like, I want to go do that on a micro level. So I worked for about four and a half years with really micro companies, startups, single product companies, did a lot of product videos for people, helping them understand social media, helping them understand how to connect with people, how to use video to explain to people, take, taking the RevZilla model, how to explain to people about your product, especially if you're a new product. Yeah. First thing about your new products, I have to know your story. Tell me about you. Tell mm. me about your company. If I can connect with your story and then I can connect with your product, then you have to tell me about your product. Why do I need it? Um, it comes it becomes almost like there's a diagnosis phase. Um, and I think sometimes we forget that from a, a marketing or a business perspective is, is if I'm during the rapport process of, of discussing with a customer, and this is where analytics are so important, where do I, where do I find out what, what your needs are, mm. what your needs are now, or maybe you don't know you have needs, you know, um, it's, you know, I had a, a discussion with the boss and we were talking about, uh, about 17.1 million new gun owners when there was all of these brand new gun owners mm. and our, our VP of e-commerce guy named Randy. And I said, hey, Randy, what do you think 17.1 million, so million new gun owners are looking for? 
They're like holsters. Nope. Uh, ammo. Nope. Um, ear protection. Nope. Answers. Mm. Answers. I just, do I need a holster? Yeah. But you need to give them solutions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Let's, let's first thing, let me help you identify what questions I have to ask. Let me, let me help you. I mean, this is a whole new process, dude. Like when you got into, into, you know, rally racing stuff, you know, I mean, you, you asked a lot of questions. Yeah. Like like I could play, I could play Gran Turismo. I got that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm cool with the video game mm-hmm. stuff, but I don't know jack shit about camber. I don't know about rims, tires, all that stuff. It's like mm-hmm. when I bought my first adventure bike, you know, I was like, okay, what do I need? What mm-hmm. tires run? The Carew 3 is good. Well, they're good in here if you're 70% off road, but they suck if it's wet out and you're on regular road. I mean, these are all things I had to learn mm-hmm. when it came to that side of the house. And it's, I think Scott Spooner said it best in his book when he talked about, you know, I, I got a degree from Barnes and Noble. Like I'm going to go research. I could FM the shit out of it, you yeah, know? Absolutely. And so- not to get off track of it, but that was one of the things I felt was so connect for me. It was so part of that, that journey of mine to get where I am. So, you know, I, you back up full story. I go from being a non-grad guy, you know, mm. to progressing to where I end up getting a degree. I started a consulting firm. Uh, I did that for about four and a half years. And then I met Nate Horvath. So I leave Bud's Gun Shop. Mm. I get picked up by Shooting USA. I'm on that show, which I, I'll tell you what, I, I went from the ShamWow, ShamWow video guy from Bud's Gun Shop. Holly produced best in the business. That is that him and his son, John, are incredible. Yeah. Still um, on the air. To, I mean, been on the air, air forever. Yeah, yeah, 20, 30 years. Yep. 30 years now. Um, I learned more about, uh, and this is something that's interesting. And Jim Scouton looked at me, he goes, he goes, remember, he's like, you're talking to the guy sitting on his couch in his living room. <laughs> So just like, <laughs> oh, I know. Yes, yes, he loves that about me. He's going to, he's going to come to my house and kill me. Right? He's, he's like, hello, Tony, you're going to die today. You know, it's uh, but he's an incredibly, I mean, a guy's been doing it a long, long time. Yeah. I'm, he was a road and track guy yeah. for a long time. He was in that car space, huge car guy too. And his son is an equal, one of my closest friend, equally uh, impactful mentor for me. But I learned the connectivity, mm. uh, the connectivity of the co- connectivity of the conversation. If I can't be in your room, if I can't, if I can't talk to you face to face, how can I connect with you with some type of video message so that you can see me? Yeah, you can connect with me. Mm. Um, I, books are great. Uh, books require an intense amount of of connectivity, be able to process words, imaginative. But if I can connect with you through a video platform. Um, I mean, again, it, it makes it just so much more impactful from a teaching, training, learning, questions, answers. Um, I, I just think, I think it's huge. And I learned a lot from those guys. And so I, uh, I, I'm i doing Shooting USA. Um, I'm, I'm at TriggerCon and I meet Nate Horvath. Mm. Nate's now, I've been a big fan of STI at the time for a super long time. Um, and I, I meet Nate, like I had, when I had my, my competitive shooting company, STI wouldn't sell to me. And when they did sell to me, it was a really weird marketing structure. Like they would say, like, oh, our dealer program is 25%, but they had a minimum selling price, which was, you know, 10% over what would be my cost. So I couldn't live on that. So yeah. I had to buy parts from a third party. You know, I had a, a great, incredible gun builder that was building guns with me, a guy named Dan Bedell, who I still own a gun by Danny's, an incredible gun gun builder, makes a really badass gun. Um, So. Fast forward, I you know I I do all these different things. I, I move forward. I get in. Uh, I I meet Nate Horvat, and we start talking about. I do an interview with him for Shooting USA Uncut. We had a direct to social media thing that we had done, <clears throat> and he starts talking to me about 2011, 1911, all this stuff, and he talks to me about the company. 
and where they've done, the changes they've made. Talks to me about the fact that he's a, a, a Marine Corps veteran. And I get done and I, uh, I walk up to him afterwards. I go, hey, man, I said, I'm very excited that STI finally has leadership. I was like, because I think you guys have always made the world's best shooting handguns. They just don't work. Mm. You know, and I literally said this to him and he goes, they work now. And he goes, and they work pretty good. And so I shook his hand and Buck Pearson was standing right next to him, the guy who's the senior VP of business development now. And I get a call three days later from Taryn. And Taryn says, hey man, listen, uh, STI is looking for some marketing help. Um, is it okay if I give Nate your phone number? And of course I have a consulting firm. And one of the things I did in, in my marketing consulting firm is I would take a client to a certain level and once I got them here, I'd like, hey, man, you're on your own. Let's grow to this level and I can come back in. And there was, I didn't really, if, if you if you didn't need my services anymore, I would leave you all the tools to be successful. It's yeah. okay because I, I, I don't want to be a burden on you from a cost perspective. I want to be an, an enhancement. I want to be an asset for you. But I think it, it helped me a lot where I'm at is to understand that brand new guy, the fears that they have, the concerns that they have. Like, oh my God, I'm going to get in social media. My, my, my sister-in-law is super hot and she's going to do some videos and stuff. She was a bikini model when she was seven. You know, it's like, and you're like, yeah. And all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I'm going to buy her a bunch of stuff. She can do video. We got, you know, $50,000 with camera gear. And, and you're like, well, why am I not printing money? And because, they don't, again, people don't understand that. So I meet Nate. I, I get on a phone call with him. I end up coming down. Um, I go through the interview process. I knew a lot of people in the company because I'd been here for Shooting USA. I'd been here from, I'd done some marketing stuff for them. Building a great network. Yeah, yeah. building a great network. And I, uh, so I come down here, I, I meet Nate and he makes me an offer. And I said, uh, I on the spot. Yeah, me, me, I come down for a formal interview. So yeah. I went through the process, sent him a resume, gave him my my uh, references. I come down, I, I'm here for like three days. At the end of three days, he goes, well, hey, this is this is what I can do. And I'm like, all right, I'll see you in three weeks. And I was living in Kentucky. Consulting firm was doing pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it was fun, you know, because when you when you own your own business, it's like, yep, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I'm at the lake. You know, lake house was nice. Mm -hmm. Just got a brand new pontoon boat for, mm -hmm. my, for my birthday, and things were good. And I walked back up there, and I looked at my wife. I go, hey, baby. So what do you think about going back to Texas? Mm. How that My wife's out. making great money. She's got a successful career there. We had two houses. Um, and she says, all right, then. Let's light this son bitch on fire and ride the smoke out. Let's get it done. And uh, so I lived in, so I, I I go up to the lake house, Lake Cottage. I don't want to make it sound like I'm some fancy. It's on a little lake in Florence, Kentucky. Yeah. Um, so I, I put a sign in the yard. I loaded up all that furniture into a trailer and I drove to Texas. And wow. this was... Uh, What's the fall? Labor Day or Memorial Day? Labor Day. Labor yeah. Day. So I, I drive down Labor Day weekend. I move into an apartment about 20 miles from here. And I start that Tuesday after Labor Day. What year is this? This is uh, 2018. Wow. Wow. 2018, I start here. The marketing department is me. Wow. And... um. Nate was under STI because staccato would. Yeah, it was under STI yeah. at that time. Yeah. And so we come in and I had over the course of of my time in the industry, I have I had, had a pretty good reputation. Like when I, when I was at Bud's um, and I still think I do think um, the. Uh, I, I like even when I was at Bud's, I never did a video for a product I didn't do. I didn't believe in. I didn't shoot. Um, 
I went out and I shot the get because I, I and I always started. And I was conscious of this, and somebody asked me this. Said, "Why do you always start off saying your name?" Like some people are like, "Oh, I don't want to have you know my." I'm like, from an ownership perspective, I'm like, because if I start off saying, "Hey, folks, this is Tony Pignato," everything after that is me. It's not some commercial bullshit. That I say my name first because I want you to know that Tony Pignato said this. Yes, I work for BudsGunShop.com. Yes, I work for Staccato. But I'm saying this because I believe it. You're putting your name on it. 100%. Yeah, that's so a big deal. That's a, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, it's not like, hey, you know, how you doing here? I'm uh, I'm, I'm with such and such. Then you're just, I mean, you're an Amazon you're just a brand. Guy. Yeah. You're nothing against Amazon, but I'm just, I'm a driver, you know. But I wanted to, I wanted to give myself ownership plus hold myself accountable that I'm not going to do anything that's going to be uh, considered that I'm not telling the truth. I don't believe it or I haven't shot the product. I can't tell you anything about the product because uh, I think that's important because again, authenticity, Yeah. Uh, authenticity and honesty. I mean, if I mess something up, I'm going to authentically tell you, I mean, I don't care. I don't mind standing on the car. I will stand on the carpet if I did something wrong. Yeah. But if I'm on the carpet and I didn't do anything wrong, it's going to be an argument. Yeah. And you may have to send me to the house. Um, and so that's one of the things that I found so great about being here is you know, Nate, Nate would tell me, he's like, Hey man, if you're going to fail, fail fast, but let's figure it out. And so we introduced the first two products we introduced when we got here and we were lit. I'm talking grassroots, bro. Mm. Um, we looked at what can we do? Um, again, we made the world's best shooting handgun. We're in a very, very small space. We introduced the staccato C, which was a single stack modular frame polymer grip gun. It's a 3.9 nine inch gun. Um, Really, everything that you'll have in a double stack gun, you know, here uh, we had in a little small, little small single stack carry gun. Mm -hmm. So we we market that as the world's best shooting carry gun. Um, back up a hair, the boss goes to me, goes, "Hey man, what's our message?" I was like, "We make the world's best shooting handgun." He's like, "Damn, that's pretty strong, ain't it?" Mm. And I'm like, "Prove me wrong." Mm. We've literally won thousands of matches. The mm. 2011 platform has won thousands of matches, mm. and we make. By far, the 2011 platform is the world's best shooting handgun. I mean, it's just, and it's just by inherently by design. And there's other guns out there that have, you know, like, yes, eventually people are going to start to play basketball as good as Michael Jordan. But I mean, we make a really, really badass shooting gun and we still make a badass shooting gun. And we're still, as we constantly evolve, we're still going to try to stay ahead of it. The, uh, we introduced the C and the P. Uh, the C is uh, designed to be the world's best shooting carry gun. And then we designed the P, which is supposed to be the world's best shooting duty gun. Mm. Buck Pearson takes the P and goes out across America. And literally, like you and I joked around about out, out in the on the floor, putting take a bite. Yep. Eat the burger, man. Try it. And we're putting guns in people's hands. And um, you become a believer once you shoot it. And you got to get out there and you got to do the face. hundred percent, man. Yeah. You got to You got to see it. You have to. You have to, and I, I've said this before, is you have to create Pentecostal CrossFitters. Mm. And if you've ever talked to either of those people, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. I have to believe in it because if, how do I get past price to value? Mm. When I get past price and I get into value, now I understand the value. I understand the value of, of a really, really easy gun to shoot because if I have to use that gun and I can't shoot it well, that's a bad time to find out, like we talked out on the floor, you suck or your gun sucks. Yeah. So when we started thinking about the size of our platform, we know it's not the smallest gun. I mean, the, the CS is not. It's a 3.5. We know it's not the smallest gun in the world. But that's not the purpose of a carry gun. And, and you and I talked about this informally, but the concealed carry market is just so weird. It's like, and I think now they're starting to get smarter about it. But initially, everything was about a gun small enough that you can smoke <laughs> 
I mean, I'm carrying a gun. Yeah. I'm not smuggling a gun. Yeah. You know, it's Sm- like smaller equated to better for carry. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, it's like, well, I'm afraid. I'm not, dude. Listen, here's the thing about it. When people start getting into the details of like, well, I don't want to print. Print. I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to wear a T-shirt that says I'm carrying a gun. Yeah. Like, I mean, I when a guy. I mean, think about this from. If a guy walks in a bat, and it's probably not the right way, but I mean, it's, I'm sure there'll be 10,000 people troll the shit out of it. But listen, guy walks in and he sees a bunch of humps on hips. He's maybe reassessing. Yes. You yeah. know, and it's this. Think about it from the same perspective of why there's a sign in your yard that says protected by ADT. Yeah. Why do you have porch lights? Yeah. It's a deterrent. It's a visual deterrent. 100%. Um, it's not It's not a, a defense plan. Yeah. It's an awareness plan. Uh, it's like when I used to teach home defense stuff and personal defense stuff. I, you know, I, I, people are all about their dogs. I got a dog. I got a dog. I'm like, die. Don't get me wrong. There's some really, really badass dogs. Dogs are proximity weapon. Mm. Um, and this is before Mally's became, you know, early warning f- fuel missile, you know, yeah. fur missiles, yeah. you know, lethal. But, and I was talking about this back in the day. And this was when I was in Kentucky. I said, uh, I said, listen, I can go right over here to the flea market and I can buy a hundred thousand watt taser. Mm. Your dog, unless you got a dog that can shoot. When your dog comes close to me and I light his ass up with 100,000 volts, you know what Cujo's going to say? Mm. First door on the right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Can't miss it. Keys under the mat. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and again, there's obviously that's progressed, you know, significantly now. We've got incredible, incredible Train. canines yeah. and, you know, you know, animals that are weapons themselves. But I got, I got to the point where I was trying to be honest and transparent with people like cameras are great. They're great. When the cops show up and they find you dead, they're going to know mostly who did it. Mm. You know, mm. they're a great documentation device, but yep. are they a deterrent? And, you know, we got to the point, and I know you guys have preached this, you are the first responder. Mm-hmm. And so we started looking at a concealed carry platform. We started to look at what is a what is something you can fight with. Mm. When you get to a micro gun, is it, it not that there's, a, there's some badass, really great shooting micro guns out there now, but back in this day, back in... 2018, you know, early 2019, there's little bitty little plasticky things that the trigger pulls like the trigger pulls like this, walk, bang, walk, bang. Yeah. And I'm like, what am I doing with that? When yeah. you're on top? Okay. Hey man, listen, I'm going to have to go into some jujitsu defensive posture so you can jump on top of me just so I can hit the target. Even yeah. then it's probably not going to be a good hit. The size of a credit card. Yeah. yeah. And it's, so it's, we started thinking about that from an aspect of you know, what is the purpose behind concealed carry? Concealed carry is that to be able to have something conveniently located on your body in a concealable posture that I can, number one, get to, and number, obviously, number most important is that I can shoot well. That's it, yeah. Uh, Because I have to, I'm carrying a gun to defend myself, my loved ones, people close to me, um, property, whatever, I mean, whatever your, you know, your motivation is. But again, that's the, the bottom line of it is, I, I have to be able to shoot it well. So you can carry all the guns in the world and never get it. It's like standing there in a Speedo, you know, going, oh, I got a tuck back holster, man. You can't even see it. Great. <laughs> get to it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that's, and we started looking at the Staccato P and we started talking about duty guns. You know, what's the, you know, people who are defending our liberty and defending our laws and our freedoms and, and just, and, and enforcing justice and, uh, and really just being hero representatives of, of, of freedom in the community and even law and order in the community. Well, it, it seems unfair to not provide them yeah. with the world's best shooting handgun. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, our, the owner of our company made a statement that resonated with me and has resonated with me since he made this statement. We were at a board meeting 
And we were flipping back and forth and people were talking about this and the branding and marketing. And he goes, oh, hold on, hold on. Let me tell you all something. Let me tell you what we do. And this was at the time where we were at as a company. He goes, we make the world's best shooting handgun and we put the world's best shooting handgun in the people that defend themselves, their communities, this country, and liberty and freedom. Does anybody here not understand our mission statement? Mm. And of course, it's I'm in the room, right? And it's like Mark O'Neill's over there, and 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 I think Craig Kaczynski is in there, and I go, who? <laughs> <laughs> right? That's the only response you need <laughs> for that, right? Yeah. Everybody's like, what? Like yeah. Peter? That's Peter. But again, it's that that's and that means a lot. It does you know you got a guy who believes in it that much? Who believes in that? You know, these are people who are out here every single day, and we want to give them. And it's not from a direct action unit. It's not from a from that perspective. But if God forbid somebody has to draw their pistol, we want to provide them the best tool possible to do it. And they, and we believe in it. I mean, truly believe in it. Uh, I mean, you know, when, when you talk to, you know, Buck, I remember back, back in the day when Buck started putting guns in people's hands, um, from a law enforcement perspective, everybody's like, not going to work, bro. Cops are not going to buy 2000 R guns. Mm. We have 900 different departments. Yeah, improved our I just trained Riverside Sheriff's Department. Big shout yeah. out to those guys, but they all had the the yeah. STI or the staccato platform. 70, 70 different SWAT and SRT teams are carrying their guns. Yeah, um, in Texas especially, right? Oh yeah. So in Texas, we got the Texas Rangers. That's a that's a funny story. A good good friend of mine, um, call, calls me up. I had shot competitions with him for a long time, and I go, uh, I go, hey man, what gun you carrying? Insert name, and. uh and I go, well, I think it's damn communist that you're not carrying a gun made in Texas. He goes, well, I think you're right. And I go, we ought to do something about that. And he was a Texas Ranger. And he said, we ought to. I said, well, are we approved for duty use? He goes, well, let me call you back. And he calls back a couple hours and he goes, hey, man, uh, we're approved. <laughs> and I go, well, let's design us a Texas Ranger gun. And we designed the Texas Ranger gun. And uh, and I asked that same fellow, and I said, well, hey, man, listen, we're going to do some promotion for it. Uh, we want you to come down. And he's like, what you want me to wear? You want me to wear camis? Or I said, nah, bro. Mm. I want you in full Texas Ranger regalia. Ooh, yeah. And he pulls up in a Ford pickup truck, the white shirt, the tie, the hat, the hat and shit, mm. belt, you know, all that stuff. And I, I have a picture of it on Instagram of, a, of another guy like uh, um, just that. That's I mean, that's it. Right. And, of course, uh, we built the Texas Ranger gun. We end up building the Texas Ranger SOG gun, so the yeah. special operator, which is actually falls under DPS. Uh, so it's an SOG gun, um, and it's it's funny. It turns out one of the regional directors didn't realize this. I knew he was a Texas Ranger. Lived two doors down from me, and I mean, you 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 take a cookie cutter and you go chink, and that dude walks out. He's like six seven. His son his son just got out of Ranger Regiment. Oh, awesome! So dad's a Texas Ranger. Boy goes in the army as an airborne ranger and gets out and you know, he's, you know, he'll eventually he'll, he'll be a Texas range. Oh, yeah. there's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. And uh, he'll have like, he'll just have an asterisk two above it, you know, like, yeah. but, uh, I remember one day we were sitting at the end of the driveway and this is, um, during the election and, uh, and he comes walking out of his house and he's in full, full kit, you know, not full kit, but full Texas ranger kit, which is. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he comes walking out. And I said, and sitting there with my, my wife, my buddy's wife. And, uh, I go, ah, damn, look at that fella right there. And he turns around like this, looks at me, and he goes, hey, boy, what are you doing? He starts to walk down there towards me and the girls. And they, they stop breathing, <laughs> right? And I go, uh, and I go, 
I go, nope, stay where you are. And he looks at me, I go, no, man, you're going to start a fire. I'm going to have to put out. (laughs) (laughs) He turned around, shakes his head, just walks away, gets back in his vehicle, man. Uh, Incredibly good looking dude. Good guide, man. Great freaking leader. I was a former (laughs) SOG guy and a great friend, still a great friend. But, uh, you know, little things like that, relationships like that. And, and this is where it comes into the authenticity standpoint. And you and I have talked about it. We'll talk about it some more. Is the authenticity of believing in it. And and if you don't believe in it, if we don't believe in it, how the hell am I going to talk to you about believing in it? Yeah. Um, and, you know, believing in the product and believing in people. Um, that's one of the things I've enjoyed so much about being here is we have we have a really supportive leadership. We have really support uh, from a financial perspective. And we believe in the product and we believe in the people that we give the product to. And we, we don't want to make something that's unobtainium. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we really want to make something that's, that's value, uh, that you can have longevity out of that. You can shoot a super, super long time. You know, we spent some time walking around in here and, uh, and I think we've done a, we've done a pretty good job. Pretty I talked, I talked to Josh Smith who owns Montana knife company. And he told him he had, a, we were on the stage at, um, the Western hunt expo and we were sitting next to like the CEO of, uh, Leupold was with us. Josh Smith w- was up there and he said something that resonated with me. And it makes me think about an STI slash staccato. I want to know that story as well from the shift in the name. But um, he said, there's only two things that you hand down to your children, a gun and a knife. Everything else gets burned to the wow, ground, sold great, in the state. Great, great, great point. But when you hand down things that meant something to you, it used to be the gun and the knife. Because whether it was that like little fold knife, that buck knife that you grew up with, it meant something. And so you looked in the longevity of that. Mm-hmm. And that was a, a, a memory tethered to that. But guns are so disposable now. And it just, hey, I buy one, I sell one, I, and we move on. But whenever I think about this platform um, and the investment and then all the things you talk about culturally as a company, that's a hand-me-down piece. That's something that you give to your son. And so I, when I think about this right here, I think about my son's eyes when he sees it and then handing that saying, hey, just so you know, buddy, that's yours. Yeah. When, when dad's gone... That's yours, and you never sell that. You keep that, and you give that to your son. And it, that's not done in the in the space anymore. That's that focus and investment, and family, and building culture, American made. Everything's just so transactional. And Perfect here, word. this is different. Perfect this is word. different. Transactional. Our boss, the boss, told us flat out. He's like, "It's I don't want to hear. We don't do. We don't brief sales." At board means we don't even talk about sales. Mm. We don't talk about it. Mm. We talk about relationships. We talk about partnerships. We talk about about what we're doing, what we're how what we're going to do next. What's the next interaction that we're going to be able to have? Mm. What's the next department we worked with? What's the next individual customer that we worked with? Tell me the story. Mm. Um, it's and it's literally more than the gun. Um, we can chase around back and forth about this, that, this. Ah. Uh, Again, eventually everybody's going to catch your technology. Tell me about your relationship. Mm. Tell me about where it's going to go. And, and the word you use, transactional, is huge. Mm. Um, it's kind of like when we were talking with the CET team, our, our customer experience team. I said, email is very transactional. My objective is with email is just for me to schedule a call because mm. I want to talk to you. I want I want you to hear my voice and understand I'm a person. I want I want you to be able to, me to connect with you. I want to hear the exasperation in your voice. I want to hear the enthusiasm in your voice. I because number one, it recharges me, and if I can recharge you, great too. Mm. Um, it's like it's like the phone a friend. You know, I joke around about phone a friend, but that's it. I, sometimes I just need to call you up. Mm. You know, it's like how many how many times? Well, you and I talked about this offline. It's 
one of the things that I think Black Rifle Coffee has done so marvelously, um, and I don't think it's about coffee. Mm. Uh, I I think what they've done that is just exceptional, and I think it's 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 unseen. Is you, hey man, let's go have a beer. Hey bro, let's grab a cup of coffee. Mm. You know, um, if I can create that connectivity, that community is what's so mm. important. How many thousands and thousands of lives have been saved by, hey man, let's grab a cup of coffee. Yep. Drink yeah. bro's podcast. Let's grab a beer. Yep. I mean, if it, you look at, you know, the imagery and the, and the media, sure it's fun, but it's like, it's, it's everybody's like, man, I just, I want to hang out. I mean, it's the energy. It's that, it's that community. It's understanding. And it's not just all fun and games. There's a lot of serious conversations that happen. There's a lot of, there's a lot of connection that happens from an emotional standpoint, um, which I think is, is helpful and beneficial. It's therapeutic. Yeah. Um, it's not just a bag of coffee. It's not just a really cool video blowing some shit up. Mm. It's the connection. And that's what you know, we aspire to be. That's why we we partner with with brands like that and products like that. Is we I want. I mean, it's the energy level. I want to be around those people. It's like mm -hmm. we talked about a little bit offline. Is about you know, show me who your friends are. I can tell you who you are. Yeah. You know, who do you hang out with? If you hang around shit bags, if you hang around people that have low motivation, that don't aspire to be anything, well, cool. That, that you're never a loser till you hang around with winners. You know, I mean, it's it, then you realize, well, I'm not. I, well, I really have been a loser. And you're hanging around a bunch of losers, and everybody's the same thing. We're satisfied and complacent with mediocrity, which does what? I mean, how many people wake up every day like, well, I think today I'm just going to be a shit bag, hmm. you know? And that's not our people. That's not none of. That's none of us. That's not who I want to be around. That's not the energy I level uh, energy level I want to operate at. You know, you you had asked me a comment. We had talked a little bit about about trolls or critics and well that's you're right you can be critical uh, and that's the cool thing about it is guys like yourself and, and other guys and and service members have spent an entire entire career mm. giving you the right to be critical of me yeah um and understand you and i talked about offline it was it got kind of funny when we were talking about it is when you when you have uh, like we talked about the asterisks of zero fucks given yeah, and the asterisks of zero fucks given because any, any military service member, any veteran, anybody who's served overseas in, in a capacity or even a stateside capacity served their country, the zero fucks given should have an asterisk. Because mm -hmm. sure, there are some things I, I don't, but I'll still, I'll still defend you. Mm. You know, you'll still go overseas and defend, even though you're, you, you may not like me, man, I'll still, I, you still put yourself on the line. So zero fucks given, wink, wink, you know, winky smiley face. Cause yep. you, I don't think there's a, there's a class of people who give more fucks, uh, than military service people, uh, veterans, even those. And, and I don't, I don't think at family members, um, uh, gold star family members. I mean, the, these are people there's the zero fucks given is, is, is. It's to me is we talked. I was thinking about this a lot over our last conversation. It's, I, I think it could be. There's, I couldn't give more fucks. Yeah. Like, I mean, real. I do care. Yeah. It and it causes pain when I when you don't understand it. But I, it's still, it's the helpfulness. It's the, it's you know, what's the what's the mantra of special forces? Yeah, it's free to the abreast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's and I think there are things that don't. I don't think they don't deserve our attention or the level of intensity of an emotion. Um, obviously. And so when we talked about critics and stuff, I don't, it, yeah, sure, man. We make a really, really cool gun. Um, we like to do the best we can every single day to put that, put a really cool platform and a really cool tool in the hands of people that defend liberty 
and justice and uh, themselves and their loved ones. And we think they deserve that. And we, we reserve the right to work really, really hard to make sure that happens. And we believe in you enough that we believe in the customer experience, not just from the transactional side of it, but the customer experience from a longevity side. And so that way, when you give that, mm -hmm. you pass that on, you're not just giving a piece of material. I'm not, it's, it's, it's the reason, and I, I didn't talk to you about this, but it's the reason that I buy, I joked, I joked about it, that I buy my guns out of my demo kit because mm -hmm. they're used. It's, it's not really it. I buy the guns I've, I've bought. And just for people who didn't hear the previous stories, I've, I've never bought a new gun from Staccato. I've always bought guns out of my demo kit. Why? Because there's a story. Mm -hmm. I spent an entire year <coughs> with this Staccato XL on the road. This has been in the hands of thousands of people. Thousands of people have shot this gun. So how many lives were touched by the experience of shooting this gun? That's a story to me, That's man. So it's awesome, like, man. It's like, uh, um, I, I, fi I finally was able to get a Rolex and uh, there's only three years I wanted. I wanted a, a 1987, I wanted a, a 2007, or I wanted a, um, what was the third year? 1987, oh, uh, 95. Yeah. So, get married. so there's, there's three years I wanted. Um, and so I, uh, my wife bought me a 2007 uh, Submariner. And I, but it, it's not, I just didn't want to buy one. Like I wanted, there was something I wanted, something yeah. behind that. Yeah, I wanted, yeah. It went to mean something. Hey man, oh, is that a Samaritan? Yeah, it is. Let me tell you the story. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I remember doing an, uh, an interview one time with it and it was, they were talking about doing this show on TV and I did this interview with these producers and these casting directors and they, uh, they just, <coughs> excuse me, they said, uh, so tell me about you. And I go, well, um, I'm just a harvester of stories, man. And a guy looked at me inquisitively. I was like, yeah, I said, think about it. I said, that's really it. Yeah. I was like, we're all just harvesters of stories, man. Yeah. I said, experience, yeah. some are happy, some are sad, uh, and some are even true. Mm -hmm. I was like, because if it's a really good story, I may embellish it a little bit, make myself the main character. Mm -hmm. I said, uh, uh, there's sad stories that I'm going to connect with. There's stories that I'm going to learn lessons from. I said, if you ever see that 80-year-old that man sitting on his porch really, really angry, there's only two reasons he's angry. Either he doesn't have any stories or nobody's listening. Mm. And I think that's the thing that we all have. Remember, remember that this story is going to be shared some way. Is it a story you want to be shared? Mm. If it's a story of your product, if it's a story of Mike Glover, if it's a story of Phil Craft survival, if it's staccato, if it's Tony Pignato, what's the story that people are going to share about you? Not that I'm so worried ab about making the perfect story, but it's, uh, I'm, I just want to be a, a character in my story and I want it to be the best I can be mm. um, and do the best I can every day. And we're not, we're not perfect. I mean, good Lord, man. I mean, Jesus Christ. What did Jay, you know, and I think you joked, you and I joked about this, that movie, uh, the mechanic mm -hmm. and, uh, and remember Jason Statham was like, I tell Max Michelle, he looks like Jason Statham all the time. <laughs> he, that dude looks, because he's, you know, he he's does. Got, oh, yeah. He's got that square, square ass jaw, jaw, you know, he's got handsome bald perfect head. teeth. I'm yeah. like, dude, I would find an accent, wear a suit, and I would walk around and be like, hey, you know, it's like, <laughs> he, uh, but it was in that movie and he was riding in the car with a kid and the kid's like, well, you know, I got the talent. You know, I got talent. He goes, yeah, Rod, he goes, you do got talent. He goes, but you lack experience. And experience comes from years of fucking up. Mm. And that's true. Uh, so we, we, we develop that experience. We learn lessons along the way. We get better. Um, being the constant student, I think is hugely important. And that's, what's been so cool. I mean, it's, it's really been just such a cool, a cool time.
Uh, I've enjoyed it. Uh, I continue to enjoy it. You know, it's kind of like when I, when I retired from the army, I, it wasn't fun. And when it stopped being fun, it was, you know, we don't do anything for the money. Um, it's nice to have money. money yeah. It lets me do nice yeah. things. But I go back to my dad, you know, at the grind, working in a printing company, you know, every single day. You know, it's it's funny as my dad did that, you know, that grind back when they had to use chemicals to clean things. And now, you know, the guy's 70-something years old. He's got Parkinson's, you know, from that. Mm-hmm. And they flat out said, hey, man, you got, that's what it's from. It's from these years of exposure to chemicals. Um, it's just been cool, dude. I mean, it's, I, I, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy what I'm doing. I enjoy meeting people like you. Mm. Uh, I enjoy meeting people that I can connect with, that I can share a, a passion. And, you know, you and I talked about a, a couple different things about, from an entrepreneur standpoint, about the growth, about the connection, about the lessons we've learned. And we talked about, um, we talked a little bit offline, uh, obviously be a little bit long conversation, but about these amazing people that we have in, in the community, about these amazing veterans out there who who come out of the military, uh, whether it's a special operations guy, conventional army guy or gal, uh, support guy, again, whatever it is. And an, there's an incredible core there of skills at and commitment and um, patriotism, desire, passion. And you come out and there's a, there's a path of like, oh, I'm going to go be a trainer guy. Or I'm going to do this, or I don't understand. I don't understand the vernacular. How do I get from what I've done? How do I transition that? How do I interpret that into where I go? And I think it's an obligation. Mm-hmm. I think we have an obligation, you and I and other people, not to say that we're super ultra successful, but I think we have an obligation to find a way, mm. to find a way to create some platform that we can, we can mentor uh, or, or put people in a position of 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 um, forward progress, mm-hmm. even incrementally, to get to get beyond that. And mm-hmm. I think that's important when when you start talking about people from a uh, um, from a mortality rate, mm-hmm. self inflicted. Uh, you you come out of an environment where it's like fuck, I, I don't get it. You know, you're frustrated. You're this. It's like my first six months in college. Mm. You know, I was pissed. Little snot nose, little stupid little. You probably live with your parents, aren't you? You got to go to work every day, dick. You know, and and I remember my wife said to me, she goes, "Oh my God, quit crying." Yeah. She goes, "Jesus Christ!" She goes, "That kid's 17, 18 years old," and you're like, "Oh, he's too hard." Ooh, I like that. And I was like, "You're right." That's just bullshit. It's <laughs> bullshit. And I went in my room and put on my headphones and I'm watching another module and I'm like, you know, it's like, sticking my notes and shit. I love my, you know, this. I'm so old school, dude. Like I got tabs and books with highlighters and Ooh, shit. Yeah. Like I'm a total freaking Enoch guy. Analog. Like, okay, so yeah, there's three different types of military leader. There's okay, the process, the military decision make. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. But I think we have an obligation. I think we do. And I, not that we we're all knowing, but I think the community, I think. Uh, the veteran community, and I know there's tons of things out there. I know Black Rifle does a bunch of things. I know you do a bunch of things. Um, but being able to to sit down with people and go, hey, man, this is, you know the words. You, mm-hmm. you can sit in a boardroom mm-hmm. and you can be the smartest guy or gal in the room because everything's community and everything's committee and everything's sensing. It's like, but being able to make strategic decisions on the ground and in the heat of the business moment is something that you, you come out of a four-year institution, uh, you know, not to say there's anything wrong with that. I'm not, please understand that. I'm not going to be critical saying that every person who's got a college degree is an idiot. That's not the case. 
but they come out with with potential. Mm. And it's potential based on statistics. Mm -hmm. Statistically speaking, if you went to this education institution and you graduated with this level and you had this level of college degree and your GPA was this level, the propensity of you being an asset for me is here. One of the great things about people that come out of the military is I can literally have four years of performance, mm. not propensity. There's performance. Now, if I can show you how to take that performance and clep that, you know, we talked mm. about clep, <laughs> college level, Clipping out. college level education proficiency, or I can't remember what the E yeah. stood for. Yeah. Uh, college level. Uh, evaluation program, yes. level efficiency program, efficiency like program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I can show you how, listen, man, you're like, oh man, listen, I was just an infantry guy, you know, dude. I, you know, I'm sure I'm this and that, and I shot this, and I'm really good at that or this, and but yeah, I'm just, I'm just knuckle dragging, you know, infantry guy, dude. Okay. Well, I mean, let's talk. Let's talk about from a strategic decision-making perspective. Let's talk about your ability to analyze, analyze the situation mm. quickly. Yeah. Identify what's the best core. Let's talk about MDMP. Yeah. I mean, let's troop talk- leading procedures. Troop leading procedures, mm -hmm. man. Pre-combat yeah. inspections. I mean, all yeah. of these things. I mean, I literally bought, uh, I bought an old school FM 22100 mm. and was literally sitting down talking with some peers about, hey Is man- Is that leadership? Yeah, yeah. It's the old, it's the old manuals mm. you had. Yeah, FM twenty two one hundred. I think it is an FM twenty two one hundred one, which is military counseling. Yep. So it's what interesting is when I first went to Bud's um, Bud'sGunShop.com, I actually talked about performance counseling, and mm. I downloaded mm. uh, the counseling form. Very let's effective. Talk, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about how to, let's develop a course of action. Yeah. Here's where you're at. Here's the deficiencies. Your feedback, my feedback, and then what does it say? Collaboratively, we develop a course of action. Mm. You know, go back to OKRs, objectives and key results. Measure what matters. All these books that are so out there. So important. Where yeah. do they come from? Yeah. Basic oldest, film oldest, manual. Oldest military in the world. Like, yeah, there's some yeah. people. Yep. It's got a camouflage cover on it. You know, it's 2200 on it. Like, so awesome. And it's the old school, like woodland camo. Right? Yeah. But... What, let's, I mean, remember, man, you know, Steve Jobs wasn't the first iPhone or wasn't the first in cell phone. You know, it's like go back and understand that what, where was the failures, where were the successes and how can we move forward? And people are it. You know, we talked about it a lot on the floor and walking around and I appreciate you taking the time to do it is the connective tissue, the connectivity between, to, between us, between our energy levels, between your strengths, my weaknesses, my weaknesses, your strengths, or your strengths, and my strengths, our strengths, our weaknesses together collaboratively and creating an element of connective tissue that moves us forward. And I think that's imperative. I think it's important. I mm. think we, I think number one is I think what it does is it empowers us. Empowers us all, regardless of your level. If you're an executive, you're a business owner, if you're a brand new startup, I think it empowers us all equally because at a higher level, it never lets you forget where you were. Mm. It's like a PT formation, man. Everybody does burpees. Yep. You know, let's get back. Let's get back to the grassroots of let's get back into the let's get back into the weeds of an understand and then help. How can we help grow? How can we take hey man, like we joked around about Elias in 60, 70 Taurus apart. You know, mm -hmm. let's get back into that. Understand these are experiences we have. I think it's I think it's I think it's huge. Mm. Um, I don't I'm not I'm not a I don't think I'm anywhere in. At like, oh, well, you know, back when I was, you know, when I made my first billion, hell no, man, I'm, I'm a nug, man. I'm still learning every single day. Mm. You're about um, to start an MBA program, right? Yeah. So yeah, I'm starting an MBA program um, at the end of this month. Mm. So yeah, 54 years old. I was That's like, so awesome, yeah, man. let me go get more college. Yeah. It's not, it's not awesome at all. Yeah.
Um, no. It's going to suck. It's going to suck. It's going to be awesome for you. Um, yeah. It's well. It's it's cool. Is it's a, masters it's, in life experience. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a um, it's a, a competency based program, mm -hmm. uh, which I found really really attractive, uh, because I don't I want to I want to go in there and, and learn operational things to help me move forward. Now, I don't want to have to um, I don't want to have to interpret how this applies to here. I don't want to have to hammer that square widget into a, a circle situation that I have right now. I want to learn. I want to be mentored. I want to, I'm with other people of experience levels. Um, if you think like from, and I'm not a martial artist, you know, but if you think the martial arts stand, you know, when guys are like, you know, they traveled thousands of miles to train this one technique with somebody who's an expert in this technique. That's what I want. I want to, uh, yeah. I want to have mentorship from you. I want to have mentorship from Evan and, and, and Matt and other business owners out here and go, hey, man, how did you guys do this? Mm. Like, I want to sit in the room humble and go, hey, man, I'm fucked up. Mm. How do I do that? Mm. How did you do that? You did it like that? And then what's cool about it is when I'm presenting my technique, tactic, or practice to you, sometimes I may go, wow, that I think there's a better way to do it. You know, it's like when, you know, when you watch videos, I don't just record myself shooting or training just because I can be like, yeah, what's up, bro? Mm. Like I'm looking at it from a critical standpoint going, what the hell am I doing right there? Mm. That's totally weird. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm rambling on about a bunch of ramblings. No, it's is, like what I love about do. your experience is it's a culmination. You can't sum up your experience in two hours, um, but we did that. Because has it been two hours? It's been two hours and fifteen minutes. But from your experience and all the things that you've evolved through, that's what's gotten us to this place now, where you're doing all this amazing stuff with staccato. With staccato now, mm -hmm. what, what's the name change? Tell me about the name change. Oh, great point. So we used to be called SCI, obviously. Yeah. SCI stood for Strayer Trip International Incorporated. Mm -hmm. um, both those guys own their own businesses, and it's it's interesting is when we made the transition from STI to staccato, you know, we had what little, what little notoriety in history we had in the industry, in the competitive space. And even some people who knew about like, oh yeah, that's those race guns, man. You mm -hmm. know, it's like Caspian, like, it, well, STI, it's like the Subaru the WRX. Yeah. Nobody would know what a WRX is if it wasn't for Gran Turismo Yep. or for burner cars. Like yeah. nobody, I mean, like the only reason I fell in love with a WRX was because of playing Gran Turismo, like all wheel drive, dude, twin turbo, you know, blah, <laughs> tune it up. Like literally that's when I became fascinated with it. The race technology, the performance, all these things. So that's what we're known for is building a race gun. And uh, so when we made the transition, the boss and the board members were like, okay, we've got to get away from this. Not that STI is not part of our history. It is part of our legacy. It's where we came from. We were we were born. We learned a lot of lessons in the competition space. We built race guns for people that race guns. How do we take that technology and we make that technology have not only race performance? And I've been shooting these guns since 95. So I, I mean, you go to the Nationals and shoot the Nationals over three days. I mean, a malfunction, and Max will tell you this, a malfunction is the difference between first and fifth. Mm. And I've gone to... I've walked away from nationals with some of the top shooters in the world. And when you leave the nationals, look at the trash cans. They're full of second place trophies. Mm. I remember Max Michelle telling me one day, he says, I don't take home second place trophies. Mm. True story. That's awesome. And I mean, there's, I mean, that's it. I mean, what, what are you telling me? Oh, hey man, wow. Could have been better. I don't need could have been better. Mm -hmm. And so I'm single mouth. So, I mean, I, I had confidence in the platform. I knew the guns worked, but again, we're, we're a competition gun. Hmm. 
how do we make that transition? We put the guns in the hands of people that actually carry a gun for a living. And you have to have the confidence that when I put this gun in your hand and you have to draw this gun in defense of yourself, your teammate, your community, the gun works. Mm. So if I tell you I make the world's best shooting handgun, meaning that I've got performance technology, and I also tell you that it's duty and defense reliable, mm. make, remember, it has to be authentic. Yeah. Stand it has to be authentic. That. Yeah. So I can have a really great message, but if it's full, it's bullshit. It doesn't mean anything. It's mm. just words and words are not important. Mm. Uh, they have to have substance. They have to have meaning. And so that's what we did is we, and we still do, we still continue to improve, still talk about how we can make the product, but how can we make it perform better? Um, and literally when you're starting with an amazing, I literally first two years I was in the company, I was the CMO. I had the easiest job in the world. We made a really badass gun. I just had to go tell people about it. And we had to do grassroots with it. We literally had to go around the United States. And I, I looked at the boss, and this was like four weeks before a board meeting, like my first board meeting. We're doing it wrong. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, nobody's ever heard of us. So I literally spent myself and Buck and a couple other team members spent a significant amount of time on the road with a demo kit, putting guns in people's hands. Mm -hmm. That kit putting guns in people's hands. This was one of the guns. I mean, it's, well, this is actually a newer one, but one of the guns like this, putting guns in people's hands going, hey man, try it, try it, try it. Going around the going around the United States, doing 85, 90, 100 events a year between three of us. So we were doing 300, 400 events a year. Mm. That's my first year in this company. I put 67,000 miles on a, on a truck. Wow. Going around the United States, putting guns in people's hand. Grassroots. Grassroots, mm. man. I mean, we, it, you know, if we, we didn't do, it wasn't hashtag this going around doing grassroots, putting guns in people's hands, letting people shoot the gun. Because now I come in here like, oh, what the hell, that gun right there, man, I'm just stupid. You have 4,032, 2,009, shit, that gun dumb. Go shoot it. Guy walks out. And what was really great, and I enjoyed the journey thoroughly, was people coming up having no idea who we were. Then people coming up and knowing who we were, but still not sure. And then people coming up knowing who we are and they own a gun. And then people coming up as super fans. Mm. Like you talked about uh, about Griffin. Mm -hmm. That dude stands behind the table. Oh, yeah. Super fan. Super fan. Super, like stands behind yeah. the table. He's like, no, nah, man, go to the bathroom. I got it. Hey, folks, how you doing? Welcome to Staccato. Yeah. Yeah, hi, I'm Mike. No, no, I don't work for Staccato. I actually just own these guns. They're really great. Yeah. He brought. Well, no, I trained him in Dallas with his son, and he brought his Staccato out. Dude, when, you're, yeah. when you have a customer that's – it's like a dude going in Porsche – and going, hey man, welcome to Porsche. How you doing? I'm I'm Steve. Uh, what can I help y'all with? Mm. Uh, Steve, uh, so do you work? No, no, I just own a Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you about them. Yeah, I mean, literally, dude. That's that's the that's the great. And we talk about critics. Okay, you can say that if you want to. And then all of a sudden, you got a flock of people going, well, no, 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 no. Uh, what you're saying is not true because this is what I have found true. Mm. Um, I've actually sent a gun back in, or I I, I bought a gun here, and I, or I've got a Staccato P that's got eighty five thousand rounds out of it. Wow. Um, so uh, how do you know this? Well, I saw it over here in this form, from this form, from that guy. Okay, great. Mm. You know, it's like I want the Paul Harvey. I want the rest of the story, man. I want the give me. It, it's like I have one of my great mentors tell me. He said, "Is that fact or opinion? And if it's fact, based on what data?" Mm. Because people think it's fact because they read it somewhere. Exactly, yeah. I read That's it on the That's a new internet. world we live in. I read on the internet. I Googled it. Yeah. Or heard it I, on a I video. Heard Mike Glover wears stacks in his shoes. He's really a midget. Yeah. How do you yeah. know? Dude, I'm telling you, it's true. That's the bad. That's it's. Dude, I'm telling you. Dude, I'm telling you. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Well, I met Mike. He's the same height as I am, and we stood barefoot. Yeah. Oh, well, 
whatever. Mike Lower tells you to shoot a full metal jacket through your gun. He said that. No, I didn't say that. Yeah. But I, it's true because I saw it on the internet. No, I saw it on the internet. You yeah. saw it on the internet, but that's not true. I'm telling like physically, I'm in person and I'm telling you that that's not true because I don't believe that. But you're telling me that it's true because you read it. But I'm telling you because I'm. it's me. It's me, Mike Lowry. It's Lover. on the internet. I'm telling you yeah. right now. In MSNBC person. said it. I know it. It Jesus, was right there. Man. So true. That's the world we live in. Yeah. It's, well, you know, not to sidebar on it, but that's the, that's the interesting thing about it. So we make this transition. Um, we introduce those two guns. We make the transition from STI because the boss is like, hey, we have to, you know, let's, let's think about some, let's think about something that creates a connection. Um, and it's, you know, the industry, one of the things that's interesting about the firearms industry is I, I love when somebody comes in the industry, especially from a marketing perspective, and they come into this industry and you're like, oh my God, it's gonna be this. I'm gonna do that. I'll create these things. I'm gonna create these demographics. I'm gonna boost it. And you're like, okie doke. You know, literally our, our social media was not strong. Mm-hmm. Um, why did we grow the way we did? Uh, why did we have the impact in the market we did while maintaining great quality and great customer feedback? Is literally, you know, we talked about it on the floor, you can't shadow ban me if I'm standing in front of you. Mm-hmm. You can't, you know, if I if I did a hundred events this year and I was in front of five hundred people mm-hmm. per event, and at those five hundred people per event, thirty people bought a bought a staccato. Again, man, it's uh, it's the people. Yeah, people are the it's it it's people. Yep. People are people. And if you're in the people business, it's like we joked around about on the floor. You know, there's a different P in the P&L. There's mm-hmm. a separate P. People, profit and loss. Mm-hmm. And in military standpoint, we know that it's it's mission first. Men always, not to be, and men includes all genders, you know, men and women. And uh, and so the, um, it's but it's people first, men, all, or men always. We always consider the people. And if you focus on your people, you put the right people in place, you, you provide them developmental leadership, and professional development and all these things, give them the tools to be successful. And I have somebody that has the desire to be successful and wants to wants to grow and be. So if I provide you the tools, I, I'm a firm believer that there's only two reasons, either competency or compliance. Either you don't want to or you don't know how to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I can find those people that I can narrow it down to just competency or compliance, it means you have to have a desire. You have to have an innate desire to be successful. Those people, I, I can teach you how to do it and I can hold you accountable. Quick sidebar story is a, uh, uh, there's a, if you ever been to Columbia, South Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, there's a place in Columbia, South Carolina called Delaney's mm. and it's a, it's a pub in Delaney. It's an Irish whiskey bar mm-hmm. in uh, South Carolina. And it's an incredible, and I, I hate to sidebar on the story, but it's an incredible story. Guy used to own that place, uh, Jeff Witt and Jeff Witt was a diabetic, didn't even drink, but he owned an Irish whiskey bar. Mm. And, uh, I remember one time I was in Columbia, South Carolina, and I, I knew Jeff from Gold's Gym. Uh, my wife used to be a trainer, and I met him at Gold's Gym. And I remember when I reconnected him later in life, uh, he was sitting there with his business partner at the time. And I go, hey, man, you guys used to work out at Gold's Gym. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Jeff goes, oh, yeah, what's going on? And the guy goes, well, wait a minute. Who are... And Jeff goes, he's the guy who married Amy. And he goes, oh, motherfucker, I remember you. Mm. Yeah, like it's, you know, because she was the train. She was the girl trainer there at the gym. And uh, so I'm in Jeff's bar on college night, packed. And Jeff's sitting next to me. And, and you know, every once in a while, his insulin would drop. He'd like, and they used to keep Reese's cups mm. in the cooler for him. And he says, I can't, Sarah, can you give me Reese's cups? 
So I'm sitting there and I go, hey, man, I'll be right back. I go to the bathroom. Get up, go to the bathroom. I come back. I go, Jesus, dude, that's the cleanest bathroom I've ever seen in my life. I said, holy shit, it's college night. And he looks at me and he goes, it's my standard. Hmm. And he goes, look around the bar. He goes, you see a drink on this bar that doesn't have a coaster underneath it? That's my standard. He goes, watch this. Somebody walks in the door and they're like, hey, man, welcome to Delaney's. We talked about this out on the floor. Cheers. Hey, man, welcome to Delaney's. He goes, that's my standard. Hmm. He goes, when you walk in, he goes, my standard is you're going to be greeted. You're going to feel like if it's mm. your first time here, you're going to feel welcome. Mm. And he goes, I go, wow, that's amazing. How do you do it? He goes, he goes, see that guy in the red shirt? And I go, yeah. He goes, he's a manager. He goes, see all the other people? He goes, the seven people that are out here right now, they're all managers a different night of the week. Mm. And he says, uh, I give them the autonomy. He goes, first thing I do is I teach them how to run a business. He goes, I give them the autonomy to make decisions in the best interest of my business, and I hold them accountable. He goes, if <laughs> they walk in the door and they're not greeted, if one person on this team does not greet them, everybody gets a $15 fine. Wow. And he's like, what's funny? He goes, it only has to happen once. And he goes, now everybody, rising tide raises all boats. That's my standard. This is the experience, and this is before I knew what experience was. This is the customer experience I want you to have. Back that story up even further. So Jeff Witt graduated college uh, and goes to work at College Loans, goes to work at Fuddruckers. And he goes to work at Fuddruckers. He's a cook. Right? And he works at Fuddruckers and he saves his money. Eventually he gets, you know, promoted to fry cook and then he gets promoted to prep cook and then he gets promoted to manager and then shift manager and all that stuff. And then he's the store manager. And so... Um, he sits there and as a store manager, he had, he's like, I had a vision. I wanted to open up Irish whiskey pubs. That's what I wanted to do. And he's like, I had a vision. I had a goal and what I want to get there. He goes, and my journey was this. So he does this, saves every dollar, pays off his student loans. Really, really frugal guy, saves every dollar. He says, I'm sitting there one day and the stores, the stores closed, the restaurants closed. I'm cleaning up everything. And he goes, and one of the owners is sitting there with a couple other people and they're talking about opening up some other franchises. And they're looking for angel investors to help, you know, they're looking for people. And I walk by and I lean in and I go, uh, I go, hey, guys, I said, uh, uh, you know, hey, Steve, I'd, I'd be interested in, you know, possibly get in there. And he goes, and they looked at me, not with disdain, but like questioning, like, well, okay. Um, so uh, the first store, uh, we're looking for partners. Um, we need a million dollars in capital. And we're looking for four people to put in $250,000. He's like, great, I'm in. Can I, can I buy into two stores? And they said, sure. And he's like, I saved every dime, every penny, everything. I worked side jobs, all this stuff. And he's like, and he's like, I, I wrote him, I wrote him checks and I was an investor. And he said, in six years, he's like, I owned five. Hmm. I bought out all my partners. Hmm. And he said, I sold those and opened a ladies. Wow. Yeah, wow. man. That's grassroots. That's fine. And that, again, Grinding. what's your, what's, what's the goal? Yeah. Where am I going? And the thing is there's, there's, 500,000 people that get out of the military that are, are ready to, they understand the grind. They've yeah. grinded. They've grinded to make E3. They were a non-grad kid from nowhere and they grinded yeah. to get, to grow every single day. Oh, you can't do it. You're not this. Oh, you're, you're, your parents are this or you're that. You're never going to be that way or you know what, your fucking last name's Pignato. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 
Holy crap, man. Now I got to end this podcast. We got to. It's got to end, but um, rarely am I speechless. But man, you are just a plethora of knowledge and experience. And I, you, you just have a, a very unique and very um, engaging way of telling those stories, which is just, I'm dumbfounded, man. I've learned so much today. Even going around, we did a Phil Craft Frontier entrepreneurship video um, on Staccato. I could just tell your people connected mm. to the company. And that's why you are who you are in this space. I mean, it's it. you're not here because it's an accident. You're here because this is where you're meant to be. All those experiences led you to here. It's so impactful, man. Like people, I want people to hear, especially veterans who listen to this podcast or people listen to this podcast to, to hear that you can translate a lot of that professional development that you think is just a duty and responsibility and a job. Like I'm an infantryman, so I'm not good. I can't be that thing. It's like you could be whatever you want because you're you you've been taught to be a leader. Not many industries and spaces groom leaders at a small unit level, and you grow up as an E1 learning how to be a leader. And your squad leader is boom dead. Now you're in charge. Leadership and management, man. I mean, if you Crazy. think about this, uh, what is that? What was it? Pat who says a leader's is a person who can make men do things they don't want to do and love it. Yeah. Um, I think leadership, we can teach management. We mm. can teach asset management. People can teach uh, task organization, but leadership, mm. leadership, standing there at the lowest level in the suck every single day, working the long hours, not like, all right, guys, you get this taken care of. I'll be at the house. The whole hands on hips thing. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, and I, th th you want to talk and you're doing it. Mm. I mean, there's, a, there's, there's, you, you know, you talk to Evan, you talk to those guys about <laughs> coffee in the garage, man. Uh, that's it. I think leadership is something that's, that's, that's an, an obligation. Uh, and I think leadership is something that's uh, maybe deficit mm -hmm. in some spaces. But I know I appreciate appreciate you saying that. That I, I believe I believe in it. I believe in you guys. I believe in um, I believe in even new friends mm. that I think are going to be great friends and continue to be great friends. And I appreciate the opportunity. Um, I could talk I could talk for days. I I just because I love people. I love to interact with people. I love to exchange ideas. I love to connect. I love for the information and the energy to flow back and forth, which it has just today. Yeah. And it's going to flow even more on the range. I can't wait. Badass guns. I can't wait, man. Um, yeah. Tony, where can people find you and the stuff that uh, Staccato has? Going so on? here's the thing about it is, um, and please, anybody can read. If you look at me on social media, it's not hard. It's just my name. Yeah. I don't have, you know, T-Boney seven. <laughs> it's, you know, it's Tony Pignato um, on social media. I, I'm. I'm willing to help if call me if if there's an idea if there's something if you if you're stuck on stupid if there's something I know or maybe if I know somebody I'm I'm a pretty good network guy I know a lot of people in this industry um I'm also not afraid to tell you I don't know mm. um and uh our staccato2011.com mm. is the website we have an incredible team that's here to support all, all of our heroes we provide veteran discounts retiree discounts military discounts um uh, law enforcement, active duty officers. If there's a department out there that's looking to bring our gun on and try to figure out how to do it, we've got a really, really deep knowledge base. And we, we're we not afraid to go to the process. We're willing to plant those seeds. We're willing to come out and talk to your team about why. Mm. Why is what makes this, why should I spend the money? You know, we'll, we'll go into all kinds of deep data and details. 
And and understand too is that we're we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. I made a bunch of mistakes. You know, our company has is always going to handle every problem to the best of our ability perfectly. And I I think we're doing a pretty good job of it. We're not perfect. Uh, we're going to continue to grow. And you know, our if you look at our our values that we have here on our wall, and I'll I'll read them just for your people to understand. Always forward, own it. We're customer obsessed. We act with honor. We stand together and we stay humble. And that's important uh, from a company. Mm. Uh, if you have a company that that in, in this space, in this industry, and one of your core values are act with honor, that's pretty important. So so important, man. Yeah. I'm humbled by this experience, man. I appreciate you and I appreciate the uh, time today too. I know Thanks, you guys man. got a lot of things going on and um, it's just awesome. It's awesome to see a company in Texas evolving and growing like you guys are growing and to see personalities like yours behind it, man. Uh, I feel like, dude, I've, I feel like this has been a master class. And I think a lot of people are gonna feel that same way. So I appreciate uh, dude, it. Man. I appreciate you as well, man. Yeah. It's been, I I appreciate you taking the time to come out here um, to Texas and I, I'm gonna enjoy the rest of the afternoon. I'll enjoy spending a lot of time with you in the future. And yeah. uh, I've always been a big fan of of the team. Uh, I've been a big fan of yours. Mm. And uh, it, it's an equal honor for me to spend time with you and, uh, and, and get an opportunity to be on this platform. And if anything I can do to, to raise the tide and rise all boats, man, I'm every day and um, I'd, I'd love to do it. Awesome, man. I appreciate you uh, guys tune in, see all the show notes down below. Uh, we'll put it all down below and um, uh, make sure you see the Philcraft survival, probably be on the Philcraft survival channel, Philcraft frontier episode on entrepreneurship with Tony and staccato. Thanks guys.